Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, March 1st. We are here live. We're going to open the phone line. So if you want to join, jump in and join us, dial us up 855-950-3835. We have got a lot going on today. We're starting off today with a very special returning guest. I'm excited about that. Uh, We've got a couple announcements in the second hour we'll be talking about, uh, so stick around. Plenty happening today. Jump in and join us. We're going to get started right now. We're going to bring back Paul Check from the Check Institute. Paul, welcome back. Oop, hold on one second. Something happened with the audio on my end here. There we go. I think it's sunspots. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Uh, Oh, I just see uh, my co-host Lauren jumped in. I'm going to bring Lauren in. Lauren, good morning. Say hello to Paul. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Paul. Glad to have you on here. My pleasure. So, Paul, um, you know, I sat down earlier this week and started to prepare for the show like I normally do, you know, make some notes, think about a theme, where we're going to go, what we're going to talk about. And I, the more I worked on it, the more I thought, you know, this one feels more like just uh, just bringing back a good friend and catching up on things. So that was kind of the approach I took. And then as I was standing here this morning, I ended up with the whole page of notes anyway. But, uh, you know, it's been a while since <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've talked. The world's changed a little bit. What uh, what's what's new and exciting in your world these days? Well, I've been working extremely hard for the last three years nonstop on my new book series, which is called Welcome to Spirit, Jim, Your Guide to More Life, Love, and Freedom. And it's based on the 10 principles that underlie true spiritual development and show people ways they can apply those principles in their lives. Wow. So tell us more about the book. Well, it looks like it's going to be a series of six books at this point. I'm about 1,100 pages in, and I still have uh, eight or nine chapters to go. Um, so it, it's, it really looks at all the key things, such as what are people's beliefs about God, and how does that affect their life, and the way they see the world and perceive themselves, and what could God potentially be from a scientific perspective and from the perspective of the mystics. And what are the most enlightened people have in common about God? And how does that contrast with most people's um, program beliefs from religions or schools or whatever? And, and then what is the mind? How does the mind function? And how can we use the power of our own mind to create what we want in our life? And then I look at the principle of the three, and the three is the Holy Trinity and how source consciousness manifests itself as individual consciousness and uh, the three primary hormones insulin adrenaline and cortisol and why if we don't understand the primacy of those hormones and how to manage our diet and lifestyle that we'll always just be running for pills and going to doctors and feeling lousy and things like that and then the three choices we all have to be aware of in relationship to any person place or thing which is the optimal the suboptimal and then the do nothing option Then the four is the four doctors. The five relates to the five program design factors we all have to be aware of in order to design an effective diet, lifestyle, or exercise program. And five relates to the necessary challenge with any growth opportunity that comes. And the five is sort of like the 
the uh, the goal is the thesis. The five is the antithesis or the challenges we have to face with behavioral change, changing our routines, changing our beliefs, changing our eating and exercise and diet and lifestyle behaviors, and then some techniques for working through those challenges. Six is the six foundation principles. Principle of the seven is based on the seven layers of the human energy field that the soul uses to interface with the body. The principle of the eight is self-reflection, so taking time each day to reflect on the choices we've made, the experiences we've had, and then sitting with ourselves and looking honestly at where we might be able to do better and also acknowledging where we've done well so that we can orient ourselves to our dream, goal, or objective each day and start with the awareness of what we are doing well and where we can put more awareness into doing better. The nine principle of the nine means I'm now aware that I've created a new level of experience for myself. I'm living these new practices, but I got to be careful not to fall off the wagon. So it's techniques for staying committed to and in harmony with your new values. And the principle of the 10 is now that I'm at a new level of being and I've created this new person out of myself, what would I like to dream myself into next? Wow. That's incredible. And I, 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 I you know, sitting here listening to that right now, I can't think of a, a better time and, and something more needed right now than that. So congratulations. I That's can't exactly why. how much work has gone into this. That day and night, you I'll know, there's bet. hundreds of references, close to 200 original pieces of art and diagrams to explain complicated things like what is the spirit? What is the soul? Wow. Um, why do we, why do we breathe? How does the universe breathe? Who are we? What are we? Why are we here? Um, and, uh, you know, when COVID kicked off, it was like a great message from spirit saying, you've really got to help people <laughs> wake up, awaken themselves to yeah, wake yeah. up so that they all realize what we need together. Because what we're lacking is a common dream. The powers behind us are dividing us so heavily and breaking us down. We're living in a state of fear, which makes us very easily programmable. But when people learn how to use their mind and stick to their values, then they're pretty much unshakable. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, can I ask something about the book itself where are you going to release it one part at a time or all at the same time no because of the size of it and the need to get it out um, we're going to release it one volume at a time so as soon as the well well the first volume's in press the second volume will be going through the layout so it's going to be a progressive uh, release but i'm launching with the first book my new spirit gym website and membership program where anybody can join for a reasonable price. And on a weekly basis, I'll be giving a presentation on some aspect of Spirit Gym. Then I'll do 60 to 90 minutes of live coaching with people. And I'll have a, a, a basically a map on the board of the 10 key principles. And so anybody can share what challenge they're having in their life. And I will show them how to use these 10 principles to resolve any challenge in their life. So it's actually a a training program to teach people how to apply these to real life situations so that everybody not only gets a chance to get help, but they also get a chance to see how I break down each person's case so they can learn 
how the model works to handle literally any situation from environmental crisis to personal crisis to spiritual development to money challenges to any life challenge. It's really a system of alchemy is what it is. Wow. So I, I'd love to talk more about that, maybe even get you back at, you know, when we're getting close to that release and remind everybody about it. That's uh, sure. that's exciting. Um, Love to. Yeah, that yeah. that would that would be fantastic. You know, that this um, I, there's so many directions we could go, but I I kind of want to high into what you're talking about there. Now that is the most comprehensive program you know that I've heard of ever. Really, uh, knowing you <laughs> and knowing your experience and your knowledge. It, you know, that may have been a short outline, but I know you well enough to know this is a big, big project. This is really comprehensive. It's a massive, yeah, it's a massive project. And the book's going to be very similar in structure in that, you know, it'll be very well illustrated. It'll be very clearly broken down with very specific chapters that, that are actually quite deep. I mean, the book series is quite deep, so it's it's applicable to even the most advanced scientific minds, the most advanced yogis, meditators. It's heavily referenced with a combination of scientific references and references of mystics and people like Paramahansa Yogananda and, and kind of, you know, the greatest minds that ever walked the planet. And then when I finish, I'll be writing a beginner's guide, which will be sort of like a dummy's book, but it'll take all those principles and teach them in a way that a 12-year-old could learn them. And uh, that, that'll that help people just understand the very basics of it. So it, it's it's just like my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, has a, a significant amount of depth on things like foods and oils and exercise and breathing and all those things. But then the actual teaching of it is quite simple, you know, and that's why I created the four doctor model so that I could take almost anybody, as we've done on your show in the past, and show them these basic principles. And really the first step to change is just being aware of what the possibilities are. And then once a person's aware of the possibilities, they don't have to put pressure on themselves to change. All they've got to do is, you know, say they're in a habit of eating um, potato chips or drinking a lot of beer or alcohol or drinking wine at night. And they have an awareness that it's causing them problems, but they are so rooted in that routine. So in the approach that I take, you don't really have to do anything except when you're reaching for something you know, for example, isn't ideal for you, you just stop a minute and say, I'm aware that I'm about to eat or drink this, and it's not the best thing for me, and I know I have the power to change, and I will change when I'm ready. So what happens is each time that person becomes aware that they have the power to change but don't have to change, they're building new neural networks that support the new behavior, and eventually the neurons connect together and all of a sudden they just naturally say, I think I'll just change this out instead of having, uh, you know, wine, I might choose something that's a little more healthy or isn't so stressful to my body, or I'll choose to go from pasteurized dairy to raw dairy, or I'll choose to go from commercially farmed animals to organically farmed animals. And so once a person learns the steps to change and realizes it doesn't have to be stressful, and that ultimately all the changes are there to support them in living the life they want to live and achieving their own personally stated goals, then a person starts to get some momentum and with small changes, such as getting to bed on time, drinking enough water, they start to feel good and they have enough objective evidence that the process is working, then they feel inspired to do more and more. 
You know, I, I, I just love that. And I've been working on a project myself for about two years now, not nearly as comprehensive as this, but focusing on on one area. And I, I'd love to get your take on it because I think there's a, a, a lot of tie in here. So one of the things we started to identify in 2020, we, we've been working with people, you know, one on one directly. We have people call in and report back all the time. And we've had you know, a lot of success primarily focused on diet, you know, really helping people with mm-hmm. what foods they should be eating. And then the challenges of, of our tribe being truck drivers and on the road and how do you overcome all those challenges with food? And we've helped them a lot with, you know, fermenting so they can take things on the road and pressure canning meats and meals. And it, we've just had a lot of success. It's just been a, a great ride. But we started noticing in 2020 that people were kind of backsliding. You know, it, the results, they they, yeah. were, they were seeing more pain again and, and issues that we hadn't seen. And, and these were people that had been doing this for years. You know, our first response was, well, yeah. you, you must have you must have changed something. You must not be as strict on your diet. And they swore, no, we're, we haven't changed anything. So we thought, OK, we, we have to go look for what's going on here. And, and you mentioned, you know, the hormones, cortisol. And, and we started looking at everything seemed to be pointing back to all of those stress hormones. And then the light bulb went off. Well, of course, yeah. of course, everybody's stressed. Look at what happened to our world. And it, it seemed to have yeah. come out of nowhere. So, you know, and, and at the time, I thought I understood how to help people deal with stress. And I realized we, we weren't even close. You know, we were talking about things like mindfulness and meditation and taking a break from the world and getting out in nature. And, and all those things are good. There's no doubt about it. But it, it wasn't really cutting it. The, the problem was, was deeper than that. And I just started this kind of deep dive project on, on what really is stress and, and how do we overcome it in a modern world? Because the problem really, stress is nothing more than our fight or flight response, right? Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with a, a fairly complex uh, topic yeah. and I will do my, I'll, I'll break it down for you. There, there's tremendous amounts of research in psychology, consciousness studies, and all related fields showing that when, whenever a person is under stress, first of all, there's two kinds of stress, which Hans Seeley, the original expert on stress identified, he's the one that came up with the fight, 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 flight, freeze concept. But Seeley identified there's two types of stress, U, capital U dash stress, which is useful stress. Going to the gym is useful stress, working through challenges in your marriage or personal or business relationships that help you grow and understand each other better are useful stress. So anytime we're exposing ourselves to stress that ultimately helps us grow, but isn't so stressful that it causes us to break down, that's useful stress. The other form of stress is distress. So when people's whole world is changing and their businesses are being shut down and they're being locked in their homes and they're being treated immorally and unethically and being given bogus science and everything else, it's such a massive stress that what the research shows is people revert backwards in their psychological development and there's what are called structure stages of consciousness. So for example... You, you will have, there's a number of different models, but a simple one is the first level is I. What is it that I need 
to take care of myself and feel safe. The next level is we. So the we level begins with parental programming and great influences when we were children that told us how the world is and how the world works and what we should do or must do and shouldn't do. And the next level is a much bigger jump. That's all. So what are the issues of the world and how can I adapt to the world and how can I contribute to resolving significant challenges in the world by doing what I do best? So, you know, if you love to sing, how can you sing the truth? If you like to paint, paint the truth. If you like to write, write the truth. If you like talking to friends in coffee shops, then share as much information from both sides of the argument so that people can see all the chips on the table and then make an intelligent decision as opposed to just sticking to a, a biased belief or a fear-based belief. So what, what the research shows is as a person becomes more stressed, they revert backwards in their psychological development. So the person that was conscious of the world, watching the news, talking to people, having a, maybe they were a yogi and they were holistic and all of a sudden they're running out and doing standard medical procedures and things that go completely against their stated beliefs or the behaviors that their friends have come to know are acting out parental programming and religious programming. And the reason that that happens and social programming, and, and that makes them highly, highly susceptible because they're already under stress. And when a person's under stress, all you've got to do is put an illusory carrot in their face and say, if you follow this medical procedure, you'll be safe. If you buy this drug, you'll be safe. So that's where the, the dangerous hook comes. But the key point that I think is very important to understand, as people become stressed, they have less and less free energy, right? Yes. yes. So if you're eat, eating well and living well, but your business is being shut down, all the resources from your healthy living are now entangled in this serious problem of how am I going to pay the bills and protect my family? And so what happens is because consciousness to solve a problem consciously, and you know, this has requires what's called real thinking. And Carl Jung and David Bohm both said something very profound in this regard. They said, real thinking is hard work. That's why most people just rearrange their prejudices and call it thinking. Wow. So the point here is that thinking takes a lot of energy. You really have to be brave enough to challenge your own belief systems, your own dogmas, your own biases, or you'll never actually do any real thinking. And this is one of the reasons the world's so caught in this loop of constantly making the same mistakes over and over again. So what the key point here is, is that people revert backwards into consciousness for the same reason that you don't throw a cartwheel in when, it, when you're running from a lion because it can get you killed, right? <laughs> Trying something new when you're facing a real threat is very, very dangerous. Right. So the higher a person's the higher a person's stress hormones rise up, the more they get pushed into their left brain and their old programming. And that allows them to remain unconscious and act reflexively. And it gives them a sense of safety because they're, even if they're making the wrong decisions, they know they've made it this far making those decisions. So at an unconscious level, doing old behaviors actually creates this illusion of safety when in fact it's the old behaviors we all keep doing as a culture and, and as a world that led us right into these problems. Right. So what you're describing is people that are following your program, making changes, doing things that are life goal or dream affirmative, but all of a sudden they're falling back off the wagon again 
because they're going back into their unconscious behaviors, which is kind of like a baby that needs it silky to suck on or something to comfort it or a booby. So the old programming becomes the breast that the child in us needs to feel safe and secure, but they don't realize that they're actually remaining unconscious, which makes them highly susceptible to manipulation and control. And so this is where, you know, legitimate spiritual teachings and legitimate life coaching and a commitment to staying awake and looking into the research and the data and doing the work to make an informed decision is so important. But most people talk themselves right out of that because they just don't think they have enough time or energy. But ultimately, if you don't make that decision, you just keep repeating the same behaviors and you find yourself in hospitals or on more drugs or gaining a lot of weight or your back starts to hurt, your neck starts to hurt. Because typically, the more stress people get, the less quality of sleep they get, the more comfort food they eat, the more their blood sugar management gets thrown off. And so they actually drive themselves into more physiological stress and psychological stress. And the mind and the body always mirror each other. So a stressed mind makes a stressed body, a stressed mind and a stressed body that reverts back to old comforting behaviors and snacking and drinking and shortcutting ends up finding themselves looking in the mirror going, what the hell happened to me? And they actually do it like they don't know what happened. But anybody that was awake would say, well, you know, you you went from eating good food to junk food, from drinking water to drinking tea, coffee, and alcohol, from exercising to talking yourself out of it. And so it's really an adult proposition to stay awake when the pressure is on and to be creative and to reach out for people that share the same values. And and a very important about this is, and Ibrahim Karim, the founder of Biogeometry, is very good at making this clear. It's our values that basically create the frequency that brings us into the field of, of mind. So if our values deteriorate, then our connection to higher consciousness changes its frequency, just like you can go from listening to, uh, you know, beautiful music to bad rap music, and all of a sudden you're feeling irritated, but you don't realize that if you've changed your values from dream affirmative, life affirmative, support each other, get together with people that have like-minded values, huddle up, support each other, then all of a sudden you're feeling isolated and alone, and you're listening to rap music. Ah, such so many great points in there, and, and uh, you know, I, I think I, I came to uh, a lot of those same conclusions without as much of the the depth. So I, I really looking forward to uh, to seeing a lot of this. I want to go back to that idea of you stress. That was really kind of where I ended up focusing pretty early on. And I, I started looking at the approach we seem to be taking at the time, you know, meditate, be more mindful, get out in nature, get away from the stress, all good things, but it, it wasn't working. And it the, the idea of you stress really showed me why. You know, the analogy I came up yeah. with was, telling people to just avoid these stressors to to become more resilient was like telling people to train for a marathon without running. It, it didn't make sense. It, yeah. it, we were we were, you know, weak. I started to use the analogy of a stress muscle that we should look at stress like a yeah. muscle. And if if we don't ever challenge that muscle, 
it will just continue to get weaker and weaker and and avoiding stress won't work after a while. You you may get a a slight break while you're avoiding, but the minute you're back in the world, people were falling apart. So I started looking at these these use stressors and and how do we work this into the, the world of a truck driver? You know, knowing that these guys have challenges in, in the way they live, they're on the road. So I, I started working through all of the, the stressors that should be positive for us. And what I realized as I was going through them, and I'll talk about the protocol I came up with ultimately, but what I realized was all of these stressors we needed more of really in every way made you very uncomfortable for short periods of time. And then I realized it's so ironic as human beings, we just constantly seem to seek comfort. And the more we do that, the weaker and weaker we get. And and then so part of the process, the whole process was how do we become comfortable being uncomfortable? You know, how do we just you have to have the contrast. If you're just comfortable all the time, pretty soon comfort even loses its meaning and then you're never comfortable anymore. So the, 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 the stressors I ended up with as part of our kind of protocol, again, making sure it was, were things we could do easily on the road and in the truck. Uh, and there are more parts to this stress protocol with some adaptogens and some other things, but the, the physical protocol I came up with, was something that could be done in an hour, could be done fairly easily in the truck on the road. And it involved things like uh, some, you know, really structured breathing, um, some of the Wim Hof breathing yeah, and some other methods. Uh, heat exposure primarily with infrared saunas, near and far infrared. And, you know, we actually have a, a kind of an infrared blanket, like a sleeping bag kind of thing. We we carry in our store because it, it's something they can do in the truck. Um, we're working with a, yeah. a, a company called Sauna Space to actually build kind of a conversion kit to turn a truck sleeper into an infrared sauna. Um, and th- then cool. we also came up with really short duration. And I, I'd love to get your opinion on, on this, if there's something better we could be doing. Um, really short duration resistance training, high intensity, short duration. Uh, we're using a system again because it's easy in the truck, uh, the X3 bar. Uh, so it's a resistance band mm-hmm. system. So it's easy for them to carry in the truck. So, and then the final was cold exposure, you know, cold showers, cold plunges, ju- just going outside when it's really cold, not bundling up. So I, I kind of came up with this protocol where in the truck we could do the structured breathing in the infrared sauna. I'm going to knock out two and one there to save a little time. Um, after that, you're nice and warmed up and we would do, you know, 10 minutes of intense resistance training and then finish with a cold shower for the cold exposure. I'd love to get your opinion on that. I think those are all good. You, you know, you're going to have a lot of truck drivers, for example, that, uh, a don't have the finances or don't feel they have the space, uh, to do an infrared sauna or don't want to get all soaked and sweat and then not have the ability to shower. So for the people that'll have the equipment, it's good. Uh, A couple of modifications. I think 
step number one is always identify what the dream is. You know, if a person doesn't have a dream, a clearly stated dream, goal, or objective for why they're doing something, then it just feels to them like more stuff they've got to get done. Can I jump in there real quick? And then, um, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I, I love that concept, and it, it's something, one of my favorite books, I, I like to help people with this, the seven habits, and um, this would equate to begin with the end in mind, correct? Yes, yes. You always have to see the end product of yourself. So if a person has pain, they see themselves as free of pain. If they have um, financial stress, they see themselves as uh, stable and free of financial stress. So, uh, you know, the analogy I often give is you know, I've, done a, I've done an actual firewalk before. And, and the way you prepare for a firewalk is you don't talk to yourself about the process of getting across the hot coals, you visualize yourself on the other side and you stay completely and utterly focused on the other side and you don't let fear get in the way. You, you know, say you, you just look, for example, say, well, lots of people have done the firewalk and they're no more or less human than I am. And if anyone can do it, I can do it. And so, you know, to do the firewalk, the chant that we were taught was cool moss. So you program your mind to believe that you're not walking across hot coals, but you're walking across cool moss. And you find out right away that the mind is so powerful. It changes the resonant vibration of the body. So it won't get burnt by the heat. And when I did the fire walk, the tone, I did it with Tony Robbins, who used to be a, a client and, and a patient of mine. And he pulled the thermometer out. It was 2,600 degrees Fahrenheit. And these were, it was oak wood that had been burning all day long. So, you know, it was like 35 feet across. This is, there's no way to fake this thing. So the point that you're making, I'm making is one, you see yourself on the other side of it. Two, you change the internal environment in yourself to be congruent with the goal of being across on the other side. I'm not walking across something that'll burn me. I'm walking across something like the forest floor and you hold that and you trust in the power of your own mind and your own heart and your own soul. And so then you move into it. And then when we're doing these things, we have to remember that a labor of love is sustainable, but anything else is just labor. So one of the big mistakes that people make is they set goals from them for themselves, but they're not really clear inside that that's something that they want enough to do the work. So if somebody wants to lose weight and be in better shape, but they're really not that convinced that they're going to be able to do it or that they even want to do it because maybe they're in love with their, you know, junk food and whatever else their habit is then we have to requalify the dream. And sometimes people's dreams are so big and so expansive that it's just too big of a change and they need to basically chunk the dream down. So maybe they have financial stress, back pain, and they're overweight. I say, okay, let's take the one that is the most stressful to you. What, if you could get rid of one of those three things, the back pain, the financial stress, or the weight, which one would free up the most energy in you that could then be used for creativity? and support you in the rest of your life. Well, someone might say, well, I got to get rid of this back pain. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. So then I say, okay, let's orient ourselves towards that one goal and know that once that goal is accomplished, you'll have more energy, vitality, and confidence that you can achieve the next goal. So we just keep making it realistically achievable, but in line with, if someone's heart isn't involved, 
then it just becomes another task and it's right. seldom ever completed. You know, I, I love mm-hmm. that. I want to go back to the firewalk. I'm so glad you brought this up. I did the firewalk on the big island, on the beach in the big island with Tony Cool Moss. It just made me smile when you said that. Uh, it was such an yeah. incredible experience. And I've often wondered, what's the, ex- well, I have a kind of a funny story too. And I, I've often wondered, what is the explanation? How was I able to accomplish that? Because like you said, it's incredible. They are burning these huge yeah. piles of wood all day long. And you're walking back and forth throughout that day in the conference. And you're looking over there and thinking, am I really going to walk on that tonight? And then you get up there and the yeah. holes are just glowing. And like you said, it's about 35 or 40 feet. Um, when they, when they do the big one. And I, so the funny part about this is I did it, didn't feel any discomfort whatsoever. Just shocked at, at the whole thing. I can't get my head around it, but like a week later, I'm back at home after, and that was an 11 day conference I did, um, in on the big Island with Tony that I did mastery university with Tony. Great. Yeah, it was just an incredible experience. My son, um, every event they had a, a children's course, so my son got to go through all the challenge courses. It was, he still talks about that. I mean, it's it was just an incredible, life changing experience for him as a kid. Um, but like a week later, I, I spend as much time barefoot as I possibly can, and I was uh, grilling, you know, real wood and charcoal grilling, and I stepped on a piece of hot coal, probably the size of a pea. And I'm jumping around on my patio screaming because it hurts so bad. And I thought to myself, how weird is that? I just walked across glowing hot coals and didn't feel anything. Yes. So you're asking, how does that happen? Yeah, I I just, I've never been able to get my head around this. Well, I'll I'll help you. And, And one of the ways I can help you understand that is going to be quite a surprise, I suspect. You know what multiple personality disorder is, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, there's very good scientific research available, quite a lot of it now, where they've actually taken people with multiple personality disorders and done very comprehensive analysis of all their physiological biomarkers. And even an optometrist monitored the color of people's eyes, measured their visual skills, and even the shape of their eyeballs and they found with each change in personality, things like scars would all of a sudden appear on their body. Moles would appear. The eye color could change. The shape of their eyes can change. Their facial expression, their posture, almost everything about them would be measured scientifically to change in a way that was so fast it was considered to be physiologically impossible. Like a person's eye color can radically wow. change. As soon as another personality comes in, well, what is the personality? It is an aspect of mind that already carries its own beliefs. And therefore, the mind is the regulator of the body. So the research on multiple personality disorders makes it very clear that an alter personality, which has different values, different beliefs, and different ideas of itself is so powerful that every single cell in the body responds immediately. Now, when you are about to do the fire walk for, for metaphorical purposes, we'll say you are creating an alter personality with such conviction that your body has no choice but to resonate with that 
temporary belief. I am going to be on the other side of these coals, and they are not hot. It is cool moss. And that's why we have to repeat these things and go into a trance state to override our negative programming and our fear. But once we buy into the belief of our new dream goal or objective, then the coals are no longer hot and it is empowered by our heart. But from a scientific perspective, you could say that you are raising your vibration above the physical where flesh meets coal and burns. And when I did the fire walk, there was at least 20 people in the ambulance who could not hold that state and got and got burned. Right. right. And you saw it immediately. And you're looking, you're smelling burnt flesh and you're going, how is it that I made a cross across and they didn't? And it boils down to and this is why meditation is so important, because it ultimately, as you grow in your meditation, you can get into a type of meditation where is concentrated focus. So, for example, a lot of my mandalas have a central location, a dot, and I can practice just bringing my awareness to the center of that piece of art. And you'd be amazed how hard it is just to get your eyes to stay focused on a dot for even 10 seconds. And so this is why Buddhist monks can, and, and monks of all types can do all sorts of things, even far more advanced than firewalks. And I've seen many documentaries showing extremely wild things. I saw a, a Tibetan monk put a shovel in a fire till it was so hot that when he picked the shovel up, the shovel just folded under the weight of gravity and it was glowing, literally white. And then he held it to his tongue for about a minute and just started laughing and stuck his tongue up for the cameraman to see it. No burn at all. I've seen, wow. I've seen Hindu monks do a ceremony where they have to graduate and they take ghee, a vat of ghee big enough you know, to make a meal for like 20 people. And they actually put dumplings in it and it's boiling hot. The ghee is on top of a fire and it's just boiling like a raging boil. And they have to reach in and take out something like seven of these dumplings and put them on a plate and none of them get burnt. If they get burnt, they don't pass the test. So wow. what's happening is the mind is powerful enough to raise our resonant vibration. And when we get high enough in vibration, we are protected against a lower vibration. And so you know, th this, this is really the, the, the true science of mind is what it is. And most people are, because they're unaware of their mind, and, and the other point is it takes practice to focus on holding yourself in that frequency, just like it's hard to just look at a dot for 10 seconds. Or to give you another example, one of the meditation techniques I learned from studying um, contemplative meditation, which is a Christian approach, is simply this. Try to count to 10 in meditation without your mind jumping to another thought. Like you get one, two, oh, I got to remember to pay right. this bill. Oh. <laughs> then you go back to one. And, and this guy that taught the class had been practicing for 35 years and was a monk and said most monks rarely get to 10 before their mind jumps because the mind is so dynamic. It's like a butterfly in a windstorm. So the simple practice of just seeing if you can focus on counting to 10 without your mind wandering helps you learn to hold the dream goal or vision of yourself in a coherent state long enough for your body to begin to entrain itself to that belief. 
So because we're in such an ADD type culture with all this social media and the attention spans now down to somewhere between two and six seconds for the average person, most people are so unconscious that their mind is jumping all over. Why? Because they're internally stressed, they're physiologically stressed, and they have high levels of cortisol. And whenever your cortisol levels go up, it tells the brain that there's a threat. And so the mind is constantly surveying the environment for threats instead of focusing on what the dream goal or objective is, which is one of the reasons why when people are doing a program like yours, they have to basically detoxify themselves from listening to standard news channels, especially those owned by the people behind all of this stuff, such as CNN, NBC, all the major news channels, they're all brainwashing channels. And you've got to focus on replacing junk information with supportive dream affirmative information from healthy whole people that have demonstrated their life practice in ways that we can clearly acknowledge that this person metaphorically has their shit together. And so we have to start asking ourselves, what do I want my future to be? Who do I choose to be tomorrow? What, what if I commit myself to doing something that gives me more joy and more freedom in my life, what will that be? Because that's the goal that I should be focusing on. For example, a truck driver with back pain may find that it's very hard to play with his children or her children. And then if that's what they really love to do, then they orient themselves to the joy of playing with their children. They visualize themselves playing with their children. And then when it comes to the diet and lifestyle management, when they reach for the Oreo cookies, they say, is that going to support playing with my children or is that going to support inflammation and back pain? And then right there, they get a chance to make a decision that is actually dream affirmative. And, you know, the question is, do I want to walk across these coals and be the person on the other side? Or do I want to get stuck in the middle? And do I love my junk food more than I love playing my, with my children? So there, you know, it takes a level of honesty and commitment to who I choose to be in this moment and who I choose to become each day. And without that, um, you're a target for the medical system, you're a target for politicians, you're a target for psyops operations, you're a target for vaccine corporations, you're a target for uh, global manipulation and, and social injustices, you're a target for polarization of sexes against each other, of races against each other, of religions against each other. And that's exactly what they use to divide us so that we no longer have a sense of unity to bind us together. So we have to first bind ourselves together and create a unity within ourselves that we can buy into with our heart and begin to be the change with the realization that the highest truth is that we're all really the same being, which is source consciousness dividing itself into the illusion of separation without which there can be no love. Like if, if you were inside of me and I didn't know you from me, how could I share love and relationship with you? So the only way source can experience itself is to create the illusion of separation. Without that illusion of separation, there can be no object of devotion or no object of love. Uh, paradoxically, in this analogy, our children are actually expressions of the divine, and so are we. But if we didn't see them outside of us and have the experience of raising them, we would never know that they were our children and there would be no agency for love. So ultimately, it's our values and our connection to each other that makes us unstoppable. And when we all get clear on what we want together and we live those values individually, we start a resonant shield of consciousness that begins to infect other people 
And so now we're doing a love op and a dream affirmative, values affirmative, goal affirmative op. And that can't be negated by a psyop because a psyop is always a negative that is based on confusion, chaos, and illusion. So the way we avoid illusions is we stop creating illusions in our own life. And the best way to do that is to stop bullshitting yourself. This is just fascinating. So many, so much you just covered in there that my head's spinning. I, I want to go back to maybe a, a kind of a simpler concept out of this. I was listening to you talk about the firewalk and our state of mind and the personalities. And is this the same mechanism that creates the placebo effect? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And, and it's the same effect that it's also what creates the nocebo effect, right. which means right. if you keep telling yourself that you're broke, you're going to keep being broke because that's a, a, a dream. There's, you know, remember that creation happens in three phases, thought, word, deed. So the first step of creation is the thought itself. It's the highest vibration but it's in the plane of mind, which is a much, much higher vibration than the physical realms. You know, you can't see your thoughts. You can't weigh your thoughts. You can't measure them. You can only measure the brain's activity to the thought. So when they're measuring people's brain activities, they're not really measuring the thought. They're measuring the effect of the thought. And the analogy that I would give is if you have a remote control car, but the scientist keeps studying the remote control car and says, you know what, I can't figure out how this car drives itself because there's no driver in here. Therefore, the car must be controlling itself, which is the idea that the brain creates consciousness, which is ridiculous. That's like saying that the television station is inside your TV, <laughs> but you're watching a transformation of a non-local wave called a television wave frequency turned into an image. So the thought itself is at a much higher dimension. And when we then say it, oh, I'm always in pain or I'll never have enough money, then we are bringing it into the vibration of this dimension and we're using our own voice and our own body and we resonate with our word, which is why it says in the Bible, in the beginning was the word and the word was God, right? What they're saying is that the dream of creation manifests itself in vibration, and that vibration organizes matter because matter cannot organize itself. You can stand next to a pile of rocks for a trillion years waiting for a Rolex watch or a toaster to jump out of that pile of rocks. <laughs> there has to be an organizing intelligence, and what most people don't realize is their mind is the organizing intelligence. And if the beliefs that one carries are antagonistic to the dream, then every time that belief comes up and that choice comes up, we have to say, ah, I have the power to choose differently right now. And even though we may not be ready to, we keep reinforcing that we do have the power and we do have the choice without which we have no free will. And then life is just you know, like being on railroad tracks, you can't go anywhere but where the tracks go, which is what they're trying to do to everybody is put you on railroad tracks. So, so uh, uh, another, know, then the, the, uh, just, oh, I'm sorry. Well, just let me finish. Yeah. The, the, the deed, the deed is, is the action, right? So first you had to think the thought, cool moss, cool moss. And in your inner voice, you're saying that to yourself, or you might be mumbling it out loud to yourself, but then the thought, the word and the action become harmonious and you cross the fire and you go, wow, what a miracle, how'd I do it? But that's a metaphor for life. First, the thought has to be dream affirmative. Then the words used are more potent because they are a stronger vibration in this dimension. We can hear them. We can feel them. 
if, per, if a person just simply sits quietly and says, I hate myself and pays attention to how their stomach responds, their heart responds and their body responds, they'll immediately feel a stress reaction. But if you say, I love myself and I'm willing to care for myself, I'm my own best friend, and you say that with conviction, you'll feel the whole body open up, you'll feel the heart open up, and you'll feel the stomach relaxing, the small intestine relaxing, because the body cells believe the mind and the words as though they are God itself. And that's the problem with the unconscious mind, is it believes the conscious mind as though it's the word of God. So the real process of behavioral change is becoming conscious and that's the problem. It takes effort to become conscious. It takes real thinking. It takes honesty. And most people are happy being unconscious until it hurts so bad they go, what happened? Wow. Again, my my head's spinning. I have, you know, so many things out of that I, I want to talk about. But I, I just looked up and realized we're running out of time here. So I, I first off, uh, put you on the spot a little bit. Can I Can I get you to you know, come back and join us more often. There, there's so much here that I'd just like to get you back if we could. Uh, you know, I'm happy. I, you know, my, my love is, is helping people. And that's what's driven me my whole career, which is, you know, I've been doing this for 39 years now. So I've spent pretty much four decades of my 61 years of life focusing totally on how to improve athletes' performance and how to help people live and love more fully and achieve their dreams and heal their pains and get over diseases and everything else. So that, that's really why I'm here. And uh, for me, it's just a matter of time, schedule and events. So all you got to do is just reach out to Penny and she'll do what she did for the last episodes together and just find a spot that works for both of us. And I'll always be happy to help. Fantastic. I, uh, I absolutely love that. We consider you part of our tribe here, so we'd uh, we'd love to spend more time. Right on. Um, one thing real quick, and then Lauren, I'll give you a, a chance to jump in. Uh, one of the books that came out recently was kind of a revelation for us. We, we work directly with drivers one-on-one, -on -one, helping them with their health. We have several programs. Lauren does um, most of that for us. And, you know, we started realizing, and again, seeing a lot more of it in the last several years. We, we, you know, we get a lot of background on people when we work on them, any medications they've taken in the past, anything they're taking now. And we just started to notice an increase in the, uh, you know, mental health kind of medications, SSRIs, anti-anxieties, antidepressants. Yeah. And I, I didn't really feel qualified. You know, we, we kind of treat the brain differently than we treat the rest of the body. And we have psychiatrists and psychologists and we, we didn't really feel comfortable. You know, I, I have no problem telling somebody, look, you don't need that statin. And I know they tell me I'm practicing medicine without a license. I could care less, honestly. I have no problem telling people, look, if we can make this change in your diet, we can get you off of that medication and we can show you the labs. We can prove it. We do that all day long. Very comfortable doing it. On the these mental yeah. health medications, I was not comfortable with that at all. We knew they're, they're not good for people. We know they're not really helping, but I, I just wasn't quite comfortable until I just read a book that came out, Brain Energy. And his point on this is, look, the brain, it, it's really not different. It's a part of our body. It's another organ. We have lots of organs. The heart is nothing like the liver. And But somehow we thought of the brain as, you know, just totally separate. And he said, there's nothing separate about it. 
All of these brain diseases are no. nothing more than metabolic diseases. And toxicity or and, right, right. And, and manifestation of your dominant thoughts. So now, you know, with that, I, we feel much more comfortable. And I, it sounds to me like you agree with that, that this really is just it, it's being the brain is being affected by our, our horrible metabolic health, just like every other organ is. Well, the brain's made out of physical tissue that's made out of what you eat and what you drink and, yeah. and the air you breathe. It's <laughs> right. like every other part of your body. But with the, with the issue that you're talking about with these mind-altering drugs, of which ba- Basil van der Klopp, uh, who's a famous researcher who, who's wrote a number of very good books, articles, um, he says 47% of the U.S. population, including the military, is on psychotropic drugs, which oh. when I read that shocked the hell out of me. But what, what I do, because of the medical legal complications, is I actually use a book called Drug Facts and Comparisons because it's not manufactured by drug companies, so it actually tells the truth. And there's also software programs like Stedman's and others. You just got to make sure they're not produced by drug companies or you'll never know the truth of the right. drugs. But there's a number. I used, to use, I used to use the Stedman's version. I don't remember the name of it now, but I print up the drug side effects and I give those to each patient to read, and what they find so often that blows their mind is most of the problems that they're having in their body are actually direct parallels with the side effects of the drugs. And so what I do is I say, look, here are five or six things you can do naturally that will alleviate the psychological stress, the depression, the anxiety, whatever it might be, and here's what's going to happen if you use this, but notice that when we're working on dream affirmative behaviors, setting effective goals, and having four doctors, we're doing something that's actually addressing the etiology or the cause of what led to the depression or the anxiety, but the drug is only a manipulation of your biochemistry, and the very behaviors and beliefs and actions that cause the problem are never getting addressed. In fact, it's like putting a piece of tape over your oil light and pretending that your engine's not on, uh, doesn't, isn't low on oil. And next thing you know, you got a seized up engine that's going to cost you about 10 grand to fix and you're stuck on the side of the road and you can't make your delivery because you've metaphorically used a drug to cover the oil light. So you're no longer getting real time feedback from the body. So the problem with all those drugs is they're not actually addressing problems. They're masking the problems to create the illusion that the problem's not there, which is like pretending there's no mold in the apple barrel and you come back two weeks later and you got rotten apples and you go, what happened? There was only one rotten one in there when I looked last time, but that's why they say it only takes one rotten apple to spoil the barrel. So if if we don't get to the core and start pulling the rotten apples out, then the whole barrel gets rotten. And when you're taking psychotropic drugs, unless you have a severe clinical situation where it's absolutely necessary, then what happens is you're just putting black tape over the top of the barrel. And instead of looking in, you're just pretending that there's nothing that needs to be extricated out of there. Wow. Uh, You know, funny kind of story along with that. When I was in high school, uh, one of my friends got a, a one of the little Mustang twos back then that had the big 302 V8 in it. And uh, I had a motorcycle Uh at the time and he wanted to ride my motorcycle one day. So he said, why don't we switch? You can have my car for the day and I'll take your motorcycle. And I got in the car and he had a piece of tape over the gas gauge. 
And I, I looked at him and I said, Ron, what, <laughs> what, what, what the hell's that for? And he said, this thing uses so much gas, but if I put that over it, it doesn't go down as fast. <laughs> he really he, he actually <laughs> believed that. <laughs> And then he called me like a week. Well, he, he called me like a week later, and he says, "I need help." And I said, "Don't tell me you ran out of gas and you're on the side of the road." And he said, "Yeah, I am. Uh, of course you are." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's interesting. There's something about that you may not be aware of, but Fred Allen Wolf talks about this in in some of his books. But in quantum physics, they they actually you know talk about the observer effect. But there's a thing that they've looked at and validated, and they say the watched pot doesn't boil. And so when people are standing there staring at the pot of water because they want to make their tea and thinking, hurry up, hurry up, it actually takes longer for it to boil than the unwatched pot. So, you know, the, the paradox I'm sharing with you is his idea was right, but the problem is, is that it makes him blind to reality. And so there you go. He gets stuck on the side of the road. And that's why I say real healing and real achieving of your goals requires complete honesty because knowing that you're almost out of gas requires complete honesty. I better get gas now, but putting the tape over it says, I don't want to know the truth. And I'm just going to play Russian roulette every day when I'm driving my car and see how long it takes for the revolver to actually, you know, blow me onto the side of the road and have to call for help, which is really, um, quite frankly, it's a childish approach to life. And that's the problem. We need more adults in the world right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, ironically, when you talk about his a, approach to life, I, I just was, was back in that where the part of the world where I grew up last year, I spent quite a bit of time back there last year and, and I hadn't done that in a while. And I actually got a chance to reconnect with him. And, and unfortunately his, um, his health is a disaster. You know, I, I was actually trying to help him with it when I was back there. It's, he's just, just health has been destroyed and he's miserable every day. And, uh, kind of goes along with, you know, if you stick your head in the sand and just try to ignore this kind of stuff, uh, it's not going to end well. No, it's going to end, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Hey, hey, Lauren, jump in, and then, uh, Paul, before we cut you loose and let you get on with your day, I have one more thing I, I want to go over with you. But, Lauren, anything uh, you want to cover? No, no problem. Yeah, well, first of all, um, I knew that spirituality and psychology was going to be, you know, we would touch upon that today, but my mind is blown by how deep we got, and I realized that there is so much more there to unpack and I'm really excited about this book series that you have coming out um, and yeah I think it would be great to have you on the show um, to discuss things in more detail and you know as, as those books become available but I also um, Kevin mentioned that that we do one-on-one -on -one work with a lot of people here and one of the key tools that I, I use is a food and mood journal and it's very detailed I ask for as you know, much detail as, as I can possibly get. And I heard you mention the importance of a weekly schedule that, that you use in your practice where, where you have someone keep, I guess it, it sounds like kind of a journal of what their week looks like. Yeah. And you have yeah, them. It's called a, a diet and lifestyle log. Okay. Can you explain a little bit about that? Because I feel like that's something that, and, and I, it's funny. It's, it's kind of difficult for me to get these food and mood journals, you know, when I'm, when I am working one-on-one -on -one with someone, but I feel like you're taking it to the next level. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, I'll address the difficulty getting the information back. I have had that problem from the beginning of my career with people. And what I realized is that every single time I began therapy with someone that did not complete the necessary paperwork, that the same level of procrastination and non-participation was carried into the therapy session. And then I Mm -hmm. felt like I was a professional babysitter, not a therapist, because I wasn't Mm -hmm. working with someone that was going to do their part. You see, part of the problem we have is a cultural problem. When they hire someone like you, me, or go see a doctor or a therapist, they're Our social conditioning is I'm going to get treatment from Lauren. Well, Mm -hmm. Lauren, if I say I'm treating you to dinner, who's paying? If you're treating, you are. (laughs) Right. So when you go to a doctor or a therapist for treatment, the unconscious assumption based on our language is that I'm going to pay this person Mm -hmm. and they're going to take my problems away. And all I've got to do is just sit there or lay there and everything's going to get better. So the first Uh thing I do is I say to my clients, I work on a coaching model. I teach all my students. We do not treat the disease that has the client. We coach the client that has acquired a disease. So I operate on a coaching model and I say, look, this is a one-to-one participation sport. You make a step forward, I move with you. You make no step forward, then I work with you at why you're not making the step to help resolve your challenge that you've come to me for coaching for. And so the first thing that I do is any paperwork that's not filled out, I say, we're going to begin our therapy by gathering the necessary information. And I sit there and I work through the paperwork with them and they pay me $750 an hour to help them fill out their paperwork. Okay. Okay. Because if you don't get that done, then you still have a child on your hands and you're running a daycare center. You're not doing therapy. So Mm -hmm. the first step is someone participating in their own life and taking the time and energy to observe their own behaviors and their own choices and the outcomes of those choices so that they actually can begin to see what they themselves are creating that they want your help as a coach to resolve and the information that I gather is extremely complex. It takes most people somewhere between five and seven hours to fill it out because that's the information I have to know to see what it is in their belief systems and in their unconscious programming and in their unresolved traumas and in their drug use, etc. that shows me where they're at physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually And then I have to decide based on the psychological development of the individual, do I start with the belief systems, which is a very high level of change because it challenges the sense of who they are, or do I start down at the bottom with basic four doctor practices that don't challenge the belief system? And typically I find for most people, I have to start at the bottom and get them fed enough and rested enough and hydrated enough that they have enough resources and enough clarity of mind to begin to work on the belief systems. But every now and then you get someone whose belief systems are so antagonistic to taking any responsibility for themselves that I can't begin at the physical level because they keep aborting their own process. So then I have no choice but to address the belief system. And that's when you know, it takes a fairly high level of commitment because of a person, you know, I tell people any belief worth living is worth challenging because if you don't challenge it, you don't know where the edges of the belief system are. And you can find yourself with all sorts of health problems, relationship problems, and financial problems, not realizing that the universe is giving you exactly what you're creating with that belief. 
You know, it, it, in other words, if you have no belief, you're the function of an Alzheimer's patient. You, you, you have no memory. Without memory, you don't know who you are. So beliefs, unfortunately, are so commonly accepted because once you have a belief, it gives you permission to stop questioning and thinking. If you believe that God will burn you in hell and you don't question it, then when you die, you're facing a real challenge because the very God that they told you was love is also going to burn you in hell. So the concept becomes so scary. You don't want to move into the light. You want to stay in the darkness because that's what you've become accustomed to and you now have a contradictory belief that God will burn you in hell and God is also love. So that is exactly how you brainwash a person. You put them into a state of chaos that they can't resolve. So I have to look where their beliefs are creating chaos and take them step by step into reconfiguring the belief based on the dream and the values that they want to subscribe to at that time in their life or you'll never win. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've had, I've had, I did notice the correlation between the difficulty, the difficulty getting the information back that I've requested with their capability or ability or willingness, I should say, to do the work for themselves. And I've had to do, I've had to resort to doing only a couple times what you just said, where I have to take, you know, the majority of that first session to gather the information because I can't, I can't get it really is a key to my success in helping them is to have a very detailed idea of what is going into their body and coming out of their body on a regular basis. So that's yes, well, I, well, I'll give you a concept. I created a concept to help my patients understand the primacy of gathering this data and staying on top of it. I call it the sexy dashboard. So to keep it simple, <laughs> we'll say Dr. Happy is one gauge on the dashboard. Dr. Movement is another gauge. Dr. Diet is another gauge. And Dr. Quiet is another gauge. I say, look, if you don't, if you're a truck driver and you don't know what your oil pressure is, what your fuel level is, and what your RPMs are, and the necessary information, if your battery's got a charge, what's your chances of making a delivery and getting paid? Not good. Mm-hmm. So the sexy dash, sexy means life force energy. The male and female forces are what creates life force energy. The meeting of your breath with the water of your body creates an energetic charge called life force. So the more healthy we are, the more life force we have, the more sexual energy we have, which is really libido or life force energy, which can be used for sexual pleasure, but actually the sex energy that centers itself in the kidney and the water system of our body is libido or life force energy itself. So I say, look, if you don't give me the information from these four gauges, happiness, diet, quiet, and movement, I have no way to analyze where you're at relative to the stated dream, goal, or objective. Therefore, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. You have to give me the data that I need to know what is the most important to address first to get you to your own stated dream, goal, or objective. And if you don't give me that information, then you're simply not ready for for coaching or change yet, and you need to spend more time with the pain teacher to get clear on what is important to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. And that's called very tough love. Can, can I jump <laughs> yeah. in? <laughs> yeah. Can I jump in? Yeah. Please. Okay. Uh, Paul, I, I want to go back to something you said that seems maybe really simple on the surface, but I found it to be incredibly powerful. And it was nothing more than using a different word, how powerful language is. When you talked about that idea behind treating or 
you know, as opposed to coaching or educating. Just that word shift was so powerful. And then I got thinking about what they've done to our language in the last couple of years. They're trying to hijack our language. They keep changing words and definitions. Yeah, they're hijacking your mind. Yeah. They're hijacking your mind. Wow. Yeah, people need to be very, very aware of this. I mean, without a long list, you're already very aware of them with things like sex change, transgender identity, polarization of 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 of, uh, blacks and whites, and all this. This this is ridiculous. Any human being that puts their consciousness in their heart knows that it doesn't matter what your skin color is because if you take off the skin of anybody, we're all the same on the inside, and you can't tell who's black, white, Chinese, Japanese etc. And we're all human beings and we're all an expression of the earth and we're all an expression of the universe. So when people are, are that susceptible to word changes, it means that we have a culture that's dangerously lost and confused, which should inspire all of us that are aware that we also live in the milieu of these people, that if we don't begin to educate and exemplify, this is why I say never judge a man or woman by the creed he or she professes, but by the life he or she leads. Sick doctors are not good people to get health advice from. Sick therapists are not good people to get health advice from because their creed or the words are not matching the deed. Point being is to the degree we recognize how seriously big the troubles in culture are worldwide, it should be that degree of inspiration that we manage ourselves, thoughts, words, deeds, and we live in ways that if emulated by our children and others will bring the world back into a state of harmony. And even if the bottom falls out of it, we can leave this world knowing we did the best we could do to make the world a better place. And that's all we can do because every one of us is ultimately connected to each of us each other of us at the heart and at the basis of reality, there's no way that our positive reinforcements aren't actually an input to the collective. It's scientifically validated beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's true. And there's many studies I can cite to prove that. But you're right. When they start changing words to manipulate the mind, they're actually changing the transition from thought to word, which produces a change in the deed, which is exactly what they want, because that's what brainwashing is. It's controlling thoughts and words to manipulate the behavior of an individual to produce the results that the controller wants, not that have anything to do with our health and freedom. In fact, the more unhealthy we are and the more in a state of chaos we are, and the more caged we feel, the more profitable we are, the more easy to control we are. And that alone should inspire people to stand up for their sovereignty and to use as much education and open, honest, heartfelt communication to not force people to believe differently or behave differently, but to at least give them options and say, this is what happened when I changed my beliefs and this is what happened when I changed my diet. And if you would like to have less pain in your life and more freedom in your life, then I I can only give you my testimonial as to what happens and invite you change. And even if they don't follow, we've already planted the thought so that they have a seed of possibility. And now they have the capacity to choose because they have a level of awareness that they did not have before. Paul, uh, yeah, I know. There is so much again. Um, One of the things, uh, the last time you were on the show, we probably got more comments, uh, feedback comments, all positive, by the way. Or or sometimes people thinking, you know, it's one of the comments we got. It was almost overwhelming. 
you know, it was such a new way of thinking about things. So I, I want to come back to that in a minute. But I, the comments are already coming in. I, I monitor our, our website while we're doing these. And I, I just want to read one of these and, and let you know how much sure. I appreciate this and how much our, our tribe does. Um, and I'm not going to use any names. I, I think the person that uh, wrote this wouldn't mind, but I'm not going to. It says, when will today's episode be available to download? I can't tune in for the entire show and I'm tripping out over how Paul breaks down stress. It's exactly what I've been struggling to understand. As always, Kevin, thank you so, so much for your nonstop pursuit of solutions that paved the way to thriving. And thank you to Paul for his as well. Feeling hopeful for the first time in quite some time. A whole great spirit. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. I just that, uh, That's exactly evidence of what I just said, isn't it? Yes, it it is. Yeah, it's um, very. And that's po- how fast it happens. Right, right, right. There's there's someone who realizes they do have options. There is possibility, and they're willing to engage the information to understand better. You see, the human being is a creature that has a hard time acting unless meaning is made. So if we help people make meaning without meaning, the connection between the heart and the head is broken. The heart is the only part of ourselves that can deliver justice to the mind. So if we're taking drugs that we don't really need or acting in ways that aren't supportive of us, all we got to do is drop down into our heart, put our attention there and say, is eating this really going to help me? Even if it's been 50 medical experts that told you that this supplement or this pill would take weight off of you or whatever. If we put our consciousness in our heart and ask what would love do now, we will always be guided because Love is the binding force of the universe. So when we act from a place of love and we use that as our value, we're always guided by the highest truth because the highest truth of love is that we are one and that we all have the same challenges in life. We all have two legs and two arms and we have to get dressed and go make a living. But when we do what we love to do, then we bring passion into the world and we bring inspiration into the world and we show people how to orient themselves toward love. And right now in the world, what we need is we need to take care of the soil. We need to take care of the water. We need to take care of how we use energy. We need to take care of connection to each other so that we aren't censored and manipulated And if our dream is that we all need the world to be healthy or our children have no future and we act in ways that if repeated by others would make the world a better place, then we're actually part of the solution and we can go to bed every night knowing that we're doing our very best. And it doesn't have to be like you got to get out and stop traffic and educate everybody on diet and lifestyle. It's really just opening your heart and letting that flow into the collective unconscious and doing what you can realistically do each day, even if it's just talking to one friend at lunch and saying, hey, this is what I've been exploring and here's a website you can get some more information on. Then we know that we're doing a little something each day to make the world a better place for us and our future generations. The Native Americans and the Native cultures around the world had a consistent practice of saying and believing that they shouldn't do anything that wouldn't improve life for the next seven generations. But what we're doing today, frankly, 
means that my children and anyone else's children may not actually get to live the life that they came to live because we could collapse nature. And if we don't collapse nature, we're all going to be in Bill Gates' electronic jail turned oh into factory farmed animals. Yeah. And so we, we, really, we really have to harmonize to love and common values that we all need, which isn't an individualistic pursuit. We all have to have good food. The animals deserve to be treated ethically and morally. We have to take care of the plants. We got to clean the water. We got to stop spending money on rockets to escape the world that we've destroyed. And it's funny that the people that are building the rockets to escape own the corporations that have destroyed the planet. Yet here they are telling us that it's a green revolution. You'll own nothing and be happy. And they're going to protect nature. And I say, well, good. If owning nothing and being happy is your plan, then let's see us. Uh, let's see you demonstrate it to us first. <laughs> yeah, good point. Hey, <laughs> uh, you, you touched on another one of my. Uh, the last time you and I talked, I wasn't really doing this at all, and now it has become almost an obsession of mine. I spend so much time on it, but I, I absolutely love it. Um, I started gardening. I ripped out my lawn and, and built gardens and we brought in, um, you know, all the best minds on, on regenerative soil. And we brought in um, uh, Joel Salatin's been on the show at this several times and Forrest Pritchard and Gabe Brown. And I'm just fascinated by this soil now. Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, so having a lot of fun with that. Uh, one of the things you, you mentioned, you know, the animals need to be treated right. I, I love um, Joel Salatin's line. He said on, on his farm, his animals only have one bad day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? If, if, if I may, if, if I may add to that, that's only a bad day. If the people consuming the animals don't open their hearts and connect to that animal yes. and say, thank you for the life that you have given. It is with great love and respect that I bring you into my being and together we will create a better place for all living beings now and in the future, which means that animal has now become human and gets to vote and gets to protect the rest of the animals. And therefore the animal hasn't died. It is transformed. It's shape shifted into a human being that can contribute at a level that it could never contribute at before. So if, if an animal is to die, then it becomes an object of our consumption and it just becomes a product or an item or an object. But when we eat with spiritual reverence and we take with love and respect that that animal sacrifice or that plant sacrifice its life so we could go out and make the world a better place for all living beings, then there is no death. There's only a transformation of consciousness. I love that. That's that, what a what a great way to start to wrap this up. I, I want to read one more from Kathy, and, and she did say it was okay to use your name. Um, just again, to let you know how much our tribe appreciates you and how much we're looking forward to get you back. It says, Kevin, thank you so much. I can't even explain how grateful I am to you and Paul. I refuse to go back on medication for my mental health, so I have that going for me. But uh, F, it's been a brutal few years. I know I'm not alone in this, so I'm betting many people are thirsty for this too. Much love to you and the team. That is just, uh, I, I can't imagine a better way to start my day than, than the show has been, so thank you. Yeah, and you know, it has been a brutal few years, 
but that's the nature of life. You know, if we don't face our challenges and recognize that what's going on in the world is something we've created collectively, either by being passive or not paying attention or expecting uh, our imaginary parent figures as doctors and politicians uh, to, to make the world a better place, then we stay in the child archetype. But when we're going through a world transition like this, this is where we get to face the fire and say, how do I take this awareness that I now have from this last three years and get very clear on what I will not any further support? You know, we, we, we then realize there's no vote for politicians. That's rigged. If there's a phenomenal documentary out there called Enjoy the Show by a ex-CIA operative who states in the documentary that she personally worked on the rigging of over 40 elections as a CIA agent and created this documentary because she felt so bad for human beings because they just had no idea how advanced the technology was being used against them that she wanted them to know the truth. So the documentary is called Enjoy the Show, paradoxically. But the point that I'm making is when we come face to face with the pain teacher, it's always an opportunity to say, what are my values? What is my dream? And how in my own life am I consciously or unconsciously contributing to what is causing the stress right now? And that's when you get to say, here's my firewalk. Here's my new set of values. Here's my new thoughts, words, and deeds. And this is my contribution to alleviating stress. And I'm going to prove it to myself first, and then I'm going to share it with everybody else. And that's the only way change is going to happen. The most dangerous thing we can do is think that signing petitions and waiting for politicians to intervene or lawyers to intervene is going to do it. Because if that was going to happen, it would have happened a very long time ago. And when you look at the amount of profit that's being created, look, something like 33 new billionaires were created just from COVID alone. And research shows that 240 million people had to go into poverty to provide the money for those billionaires to become billionaires. That's not moral. That's not ethical. No. Yet here we are getting a chance to see just what we've co-created by funding that because all those vaccinations and all that stuff came from taxpayers' dollars. All the military defense that we pay for, the spying that we pay for against each other, we fund that ourselves. So if we don't start waking up to what we are putting money into and how we're responsible for creating the dragon that's now eating us alive, we will never practice to stop feeding that dragon. So the, the thing is that they're trying to break us apart, but this type of stress should bring families and friends and people together to say, what is it that we really want to participate in because it creates sustainability and is ethical, moral, and fair for everybody. And we start banding together and being a nonviolent and just saying, no, we, we cannot let people abuse us. And we must say no. And I think the truckers in Canada gave a very good example of how powerful the truckers can be to stand up for sovereignty and to bring people into harmony because they really harmonize not only the country, but the whole world. I, uh, I have a story about all that. It's actually the, the uh, Canadian trucker strike is really the catalyst for how we now are on our own network and not on Sirius XM anymore. Um, I, I was following. So there you go. Yeah, I was following it very closely and supporting them completely. And then the, you know, the effort kicked off here in the States and I was supporting them. And 
Um, a, a congressman from Arizona made a comment about if the truckers show up in D.C., he was going to confiscate their trucks and give it to another company that wanted to work. And I kind of lost it. I actually read the comment while I was on the air talking about this. And the day yeah. I was talking about it, I, I had gotten a message from somebody who was part of the Canadian protest right down in the middle of it. And they did confiscate his truck and he had no idea where it was. And they seized his bank accounts. So I, I was a little yep. upset. And I, I made the comment that as an ex-Marine, um, making a comment like that, he should be shot for treason. And my show was canceled before the end of the day. Yes. Well, congratulations. It means that you actually uh, poked the dragon. And, and um, you know, this is the problem. When you're facing criminals, the truth is dangerous to them. And, uh, you know, the reality of it is, is, is that these things are all very true, but this is where it requires spiritual courage and commitment. And look, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you're going to die and we're all going to die anyhow. So if we die in a state of honor and valor and can space ourselves in the divine mirror, then we've died an honorable uh, ending. We've, we've committed ourselves to that which is best for everybody. So, you know, th this is part of becoming an adult. And I think the world right now is going through a rite of passage ceremony where we have to realize we cannot keep funding these types of people. And what you're describing, by the way, is an abusive relationship. You're seeing that our government is threatening us, manipulating us, lying to us, tricking us, using our taxpayers' dollars to fund black ops operations and a long list of other stuff. That's an abusive relationship. So what people should be waking up to is that we can no longer support abusive relationships with medical systems, with vaccine manufacturers, with fake scientists, with politicians, with government regulators, etc. And if we aren't going to be adult about it and get together and say, okay, we're going to start our, for example, when about a year into COVID and it was very hard for anyone to travel a, a bunch of people that uh, were pilots got together and started at a little airline called, I think it was called Freedom Airlines, and they would fly people anywhere regardless of vaccination status because they knew we were being lied to and manipulated and cheated, so they took it upon themselves to create their own airline so people could travel. Well, it's not going to be long. We're going to have to create a, a real education system. We're going to have to start creating a local political system. We're going to have to start creating our own currency. You know, there's no choice. It's either that or be put in an electronic jail. And I, I say, hey, let's do the work together to create something sustainable. Hey, hey Paul, the, mm. the, the beauty of this story, you know, it's one of those things that on the surface, I, I you know, that that contract was kind of a big deal for me. I, you know, 15 years ago, I, I approached them and said, Hey, I, I have an idea for a radio show. I had zero radio experience. I'd never even really been in a studio. And I convinced XM to give me a show. They didn't pay me. They didn't give me any equipment. I had to do it all myself. And, you know, I went from, uh, you know, they said, okay, we'll put you on the weekends and see what happens. And I went from that to seven days a week and eventually got the top spot on the channel. And then one sentence and it was gone. And it, that was, you know, kind of devastating at first. And I, we, I got canceled on a Thursday. I took Friday off to think about it. And we went back on the air on Saturday. 
and and said we're we're you know Beautiful. we're we're going to come out we're going to talk about this and then we we committed and we're we're getting closer every day we are building our entire infrastructure we're writing every line of code for everything we do to get this you know show out on the air we are not depending on anybody's platform nobody's software and it it's the project is coming along so well that we may even release uh, yeah, you still with us? Oh, I think we lost Kevin. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Uh, oh, there he I is. Hear him. Uh, can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah, we lost. Yes, now okay. we Got it. Okay. So we, we're building our own infrastructure to be able to put this show out into the world, and you would have to shut down the internet to cancel us this time. And then we may make that available as a platform for people who feel the same way. Of course, they would depend on us and they'd have to know that we're not going to cancel them. But we just made that commitment. I don't want to have to be beholden to anybody anymore or say, well, I I really shouldn't say that. Not that I ever did anyway. And that's probably why I canceled. But we're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. Exactly. And I'm proud of you for doing that. And I've always had to deal with that reality myself because I've been telling the truth about all this stuff on my podcast from the very beginning and it is a great risk but it's the risk of valor it's the risk of honor and I was a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division and I know something about spotting an enemy and when the enemy turns out to be in our own government and in our own medical system then we have to realize we're in fifth generation warfare which is a psychological operation And to the degree we understand what's going on, then our diet and lifestyle practices become a form of readiness and commitment to having the energy and the vitality to making the changes necessary to protect our children and protect each other. And if we don't have that vitality and willingness and readiness, then we have no right to complain as we lose our freedom. And personally, I would rather die defending my freedoms than become an electronic pig in somebody else's jail so Bill Gates can continue to make billions of dollars by raping people of their freedoms. And I'm just not going to stand for it, and I don't think anybody should unless that's the life they want to live. And if they do, then all I can do is be happy that they've got what they want but also be sad because I know enough to know that when they wake up, it's like a drug addict that's so addicted to drugs, they finally wake up, but now they've got an addiction to deal with, and that can be a real bitch to heal from. Well, I, I learned something mm-hmm. new about you. I didn't know you were in the 82nd, and I have a feeling we may have served right around the same time based on our age. I was a, a Cobra crew chief originally attached to the 101st. Um, I was in 82 to 85. You should have been right wow. around Wow. Well, I was in the 82nd. I was in the 82nd Combat Aviation Battalion, and I came in in 83 and left in 86. Ah, there you go. I, I kind of thought it would have been close. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Paul, yeah. I, I, I could do this all day long. I, I can't thank you enough for uh, uh, for joining us. Really looking forward to getting you back. You touched on something that I wanted to close with. You have so many resources. You know, you just mentioned your podcast. You've got an awesome blog, probably more than one, I think. Um, courses, just just a, a lot going on. Give somebody, either somebody who's just heard you for the first time or, or knew of you but really hasn't 
taken advantage of a lot of the resources you offer. What's what's the best way for somebody to get started and get familiar with everything you have? I'll give you three primary uh, resources. One is the Czech Institute, chekinstitute.com. There you can take my Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 1 program online anywhere in the world, 24 hours a day with internet access, which includes the principles of my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, but shows you more about how to apply it in your life. And it's designed as a general public program. So it's even though it's called Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 1, it's it's based on the premise that you have to practice what you preach first before you can be trained professionally, which is Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 2 is the professional training. So HLC1 is your entry-level program. There's mountains of articles, blogs, videos, uh course material, books, resources on chekinstitute.com. We also have our check store, which is our uh, things that we believe are high quality and that people should have access to. My podcast is Living, number four, capital D, Living 4D with Paul Check again, C-H-E-K. And there's, uh, you know, about 230 or 40 episodes with the greatest thinkers in, in, in the world and scientists and everybody else and some very powerful interviews on there. And then my YouTube channel, which has over 750 videos for free on all the things we've been talking about and more that anybody can access and use is youtube.com forward slash Paul G H E K live youtube.com forward slash Paul check live. And I put one video up a week uh, for many, many years now, and there's over 750 videos. Some of them are very comprehensive, like my video, The Danger of Living in Two Realities, shows you what happens if you get too caught in the digital world and lose touch with nature. Um, I did a comprehensive video called Why Kings Kill Your Children to explain why we're going through what we're going through right now. And, and, Amazingly, it's never been taken down because I didn't mention key words, but I made it very obvious what's going on, which shocked many people to the core and thought it was obvious once they could see it. Um, so there's feature length videos that are, you know, as much as two hours long on there that I put together on key topics. But then there's also short videos and there's something for everyone from diet to exercise to injury recovery to psychology to spirituality and religious ideas and all all sorts of stuff so everything that i've ever had to deal with that i thought was important that i could put into bite-sized chunks for the public is on my youtube channel you know i think i'm gonna have to expand my vocabulary or something because every time you finish talking all i can think of to say is wow <laughs> i felt like saying it again I know. That's a, it's just a, a <laughs> tremendous amount of resources you make available so uh, i want people to go take advantage of that the, the the podcast is awesome for our tribe they can listen while they drive um plenty of downtime to go watch videos so uh, Paul, again, thanks so much. It's been uh, just a great day. It's We need this so much right now. We need you. So we really appreciate you. Yeah, well, thank you. We we need each other. You know, I'm, I, I, if I don't have people like you to help me share the word, um, then I'm really just a man on an island. So, and this is the beauty of what this whole crisis has done is it's shown us that we really need each other and we need everybody, you know, what, what, how boring would food be if we didn't have Cuban food, Mexican food, Japanese, Chinese, Brazilian, 
How boring would music be if it was all just white American music? We need all colors, all shapes, all sizes, and all flavors. I think right now, one of the beautiful things that the situation that we're in is it's the opposite of what they're trying to do. They're trying to divide and conquer, which is standard military practice. The first thing you do when you're in a battlefield, if you want to take your enemy over, is you knock out their communications and you block their food supply and it's downhill from there. Well, they're destroying our food supply and they're censoring our communication. So clearly we're in a military environment, but it's our own government doing it against us and world governments. And so the only way around that is to communicate with each other and support each other and get clear on what our common values are and then orient our thoughts, words, and deeds so that we're creating that. And if we do it together, then paradoxically, exactly the mission that they had turns out to be what inspires us to overthrow them and starve them out. And there's, that's the only option we've got. We've got to work together and we've got to celebrate our differences and our uniquenesses and embrace that just like we love varieties of music and varieties of food and varieties of clothing that have come from all over the world. We now have to celebrate each other's uniqueness and hold hands together and circle this globe and extricate the dark forces and starve them out by not putting money in their pockets. Or we take the position of the child and we have an abusive relationship with a fictitious mommy and daddy figure that will continue to torture us with our tax dollars. Very well said. Uh, Paul, is, uh, I, I, like I said, I could keep you all day long. We're, we're going to let you get off to your busy day and we're going to look forward to, to getting you back. Um, Lauren, any final words? Just a great thank you, Paul. Everything that you've said is just so deep and it makes me realize that I, I have a lot of, of personal spiritual work to, you know, to do. So I'm looking forward to your your new series of books. So thanks for coming on. You're welcome. And thank you. And, and I'll just say, Lauren, it, it sounds deep, but really, what did I say? Let your heart guide your head and you'll be okay. It's, there's, it's, hey. it's no more deep and factual than that. Just hey. let your heart guide your head. What, ask yourself, what would love do now? And that is your mm. compass bearing. Hey, Paul, there's, I uh, love that. of course, every time you talk, I've got another idea. So I just said again, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> we, I, I think, there's right, a, go ahead. yeah. So, you know, when I just had a thought as you were saying that, and it, it's similar to when we bring, you know, doctors and PhDs on and we start talking about the human body and it, it can be incredibly complicated. You start looking at things like the Krebs cycle and, and gut microbiome, yeah. and it, it's, it's almost beyond our comprehension, it seems. And I, I made a statement one day. I had, um, I think I had Dr. Wolfson on, the cardiologist, and we were talking about some of these really complicated, and I said, you know, I said, it, it is complicated. You could make it complicated all day long. I said, but when it comes right down to it, shouldn't we be able to write an owner's manual for the human body and it shouldn't be more than about a page? And I think that that's what you're saying here about this as well. This is exactly what I'm saying. Eat real food, drink real water, get to bed on time, move your body enough to keep it healthy and keep yourself strong enough to live your own chosen dream and quit bullshitting yourself. And there's your owner's manual. Well, and, and that same cardiologist has a way of phrasing things very similar to that. He has, you know, he, he's always saying, eat well, move well, think well, and love well. There it is. Yeah, yeah. 
Amazing stuff. All right, Paul, I'm going to let you go this time, I promise. Thanks so much. And uh, we we'll look right. forward to talking forward. to you again real soon. All right. Lots of love to both of you. And thank you for all of you listening. Let's hold hands, our heart and starve the dragon and create something that will support our children's future. And I don't think I need to expand on the obviousness of the importance of that. And if you don't have kids, then go hang out with some for a while. And I'm sure you'll get inspired. There you go. Paul, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Lots of love. Oh, Lauren. All right. Uh, I'm going to let everybody know. We'll uh, we'll hang out here for a couple minutes. Oh, oh, calls are coming in. OK, I was going to say we'll we'll hang out till we get some calls, but they're already coming. Um, Lauren, how do you even, you know, summarize or wrap that up? You can't. There are no words. Yeah. He is so deep. He has so much to share. It's 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 inspiring. And I realize that I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. I love how yeah. he simplified it at the end. But there is yet a lot to learn, I feel, just for myself. So. You know, I, I, I think no matter how simple it is, and we, we always want to make it simple, it, there's still the hard work of implementing it in our life every day. I, I think that's what we find difficult, the, the discipline and the hard work of implementing these things. And then sometimes we actually use the complication as an excuse, you know, well, I, I don't really understand it yet. Or I, I instead of just getting in and, and doing it, like he said, you know, what would love do right now and, yeah. and, and not overthinking it sometimes. And, I, you know, I want people to understand what's going on in, in the background. And, you know, it, it's I, I would never want somebody to use a calculator that didn't understand math, you know, that because you, you'd never know if the calculator made a mistake or not. So, it's kind of that. I, I want people to understand the concepts in the background, but the important part is is just putting it to work in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get to some calls. Let's uh, let's get started in Illinois. Lisa and Eric, welcome. Hey, Kevin, Eric. Um, I've been listening to your show forever, and my wife, she's been listening, but usually only when she's stuck in the car with me, but okay. she knows uh, a little bit about the show and we're calling about her uh, digestion issues and maybe we can get to her sleep issues. She's 46 and a main point I think we need to let you know is that 11 years ago, at, uh, six weeks after she had her daughter, she had her gallbladder out. Yep. That'll, uh, that'll do a number on your digestion. So, She's uh, had a few uh, ER visits in the last four weeks, but I'll let her give you the details. Okay. Lisa? Okay. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) I'm very, very nervous. Uh, Lisa, I can promise you, (laughs) Um, I I can promise you, nobody's died on my show yet. Nothing to be nervous about. (laughs) Okay. Well, my dad was a flight instructor, and he told people he never left anyone up there. (laughs) That's right. I like that. (laughs) Um. Okay, so um, a, a few weeks back, I um, I went to the ER over hurting my back, and uh, that's kind of beside the point, but um, the medication I was given blocked me up, and mm-hmm. a week later, um, I ate a meal that just went right through me, and it became uh, pretty much... Uh, real bad, where we had to call the the 
the paramedics. First time I've ever had to do that. And once at the ER, uh, through the, the blood work and the um, CT scan, they diagnosed me with something in the family of E. coli or C. diff. And um, they couldn't tell they you which said one? that my colon. No, because they weren't able to get a good sample. Okay, because so they my my white cell count was at twenty two. Okay, so the and one my we, colon was collapsed. The one we want to be really careful of is C diff. You know, E. coli can be pretty dangerous okay. too. But E. coli usually it's either going to make you real sick and then you're going to get over it, or we're not. And C. diff, the problem is, it's very, very difficult to get rid of. Uh, that, so we, we, I want to come back and talk about that. Let, let's go back and kind of start at the beginning. Have you ever taken our NutriQ? No. I, I would really want you to start there and you, you could do the NutriQ. It's, it's, an, it's a questionnaire. And, and you're just going to answer a lot of questions about symptoms and, and it's long and it's really in-depth and comprehensive, but it really gives us a very good overall picture. One of the things we don't do that, that the medical system does is we don't focus on just one problem. It, it, you've got this issue and we're going to help with that, but we start with a holistic approach right away. And that's what the NutriQ helps us do. It helps us get that big picture. So we're not focusing on one problem, but ignoring another maybe that's exacerbating. So um, I'd love to get you to take the NutriQ and then we can get you back on. We can even schedule to have you back on um, and, and we'd be able to help more then. There's a lot I wanna talk about today, but we could help even more if you were to, to take the NutriQ and we could see that information. Did anybody explain to you how your gallbladder works, what it does, and what the consequences are of taking it out? No. Okay. I had I, uh, an emergency surgery. Yeah, and mm. I, I can probably predict why. Um, this is such a common pattern. Women are much more susceptible to it than men, and it's not a physiological difference. It's a lifestyle difference. Um, when they started promoting the low-fat diet, that's when our health really took a horrible turn. Human beings should not be eating low-fat anything. So I think it helps people to understand the, the root causes of what's going on. So your gallbladder, the, the way I describe it to truck drivers, because they all get it, is like your, your gallbladder works like a fuel injector. So when we eat fat, which we should be eating lots of fat, we need certain enzymes and um, certain stomach acids to break down that fat and make it available. So when the body senses you've eaten fat, your liver produces um, bile and we use bile to dissolve fat. Bile works exactly like Dawn detergent does. You got a big old sink full of greasy dishes and you squirt a little soap in there and the, the the grease just disperses and almost disappears. What didn't disappear, the soap breaks it down into much smaller um, particles and then disperses it. That's what bile does to fat in our body. And it's necessary to digest that fat. Our liver produces the fat or the, the bile. Our gallbladder stores it 
and then injects it into the digestive system when we need it. So it senses there's fat there. It senses how much fat's there and it determines how much bile to inject to digest that fat. Is that making sense so far? Yeah. So if we take out the gallbladder, your liver still produces bile, but we have no storage container and we have no injection system. So now the bile just drips into your intestines all day long. If bile is in your intestines and it has no fat to work on, it's highly irritating to your entire digestive system and will cause diarrhea. It's very, very common. Most people without a gallbladder will bounce back and forth between constipation and diarrhea the rest of their life. And I can't believe that doctors don't tell people this. Um, I know yours was an emergency. I, I wish we could have talked to you long before it ever happened. When we eat low fat, our, our gallbladder isn't working anymore because there's nothing for it to do. That bile that's stored in there starts getting sludgy and we start getting bile stone or gallstones. Um, that's what leads to these emergency surgeries. There, occasionally it can be a bacterial infection of some kind, but it, it's primarily just under use. And, and women are more susceptible because women bought into the low fat thing and they were, they listened, you know, men heard it and decided to, you know, keep eating their fatty stuff and women didn't. Uh, and, and this is why we see a lot of this really common pattern. Uh, does that all make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So the best we can do at this point is replace the function of your gallbladder the best we can. And the primary step for people who have lost their gallbladder is they should consume bile salts when they eat. And over time, you will learn based on how much fat you're eating at the time, how much bile salt you should take. And it's, it's a supplement, it's a pill, a capsule. Uh, very, very common, We it's one of our most popular supplements because a lot of people have lost their gallbladder. And, and it's bile salts, the, the same, we, we get it from an ox, typically ox bile is one of the more common, but it's the same chemical structure as the bile you would produce or, or that you do produce. But by taking it as a supplement, we can time it with our meals. So you're simply replacing the bile that your gallbladder used to inject in while you were eating the fat. You'll now do that uh, in a supplement form. The other thing we can do is it, we're not really big on like snacking all day long or things like that. But if you start to notice some, some intestinal irritation, then we could eat something like a fat bomb, you know, a, a small snack, very high fat, and give that bile something to work on so, it, it, so it'll be less irritating to your gut. So our, we have a, a complete fat digestion kit that we put together with enzymes, the bile salt, I believe we include some stomach acid in there, support. Um, so we have a kit, we have a protocol, and it, it's step-by-step, step, here's how you do this. But you are one of those people. We always try to tell everybody, we're going to supplement to solve a problem, but our goal would always be to get you back off that supplement if we can. This supplement you can never be okay. off of. Not if, not if you want to have good digestion, you are going to have to supplement the rest of your life to, to replace the function of the gallbladder. 
Does this all make sense? Yes. Um, my husband did tell me about this a couple of years ago, and I, I did go and buy what I could find, which was only one store anywhere. And I bought, um, it's called Oxbile, mm-hmm. and it says 500 milligrams. And I, I did take it uh, one day. I think I took two of them uh, when I ate, and they made me very ill. And that may and be. So and so he said, well, you need to call. Yeah. So, and that may be. And we love when people experiment on their own, really. We are not here to say we have all the answers and you have to listen to us. And I, I love it when people experiment on their own. None of this stuff is going to kill anybody. It might make you a little uncomfortable, but but you learn something. Um we take a, a, a more, again, holistic approach. We're going to look at the NutriQ. We're going to look, do you also have upper digestive problems, poor stomach acid? Do you have lower digestive problems? Do you have SIBO? All of those things could be interfering. There are times when we give a supplement and we get something we call a healing reaction, meaning the problem we're trying to solve is actually going to get worse before it gets better. And, and that's not always a bad thing. But, but if you don't know, then you take something, you feel horrible, I, I would quit too. Um, that's where we can help guide you through this. So we're, we're going to work on digestion okay. from your brain down. Uh, and, and that's part of the protocol to, to support every step in digestion. Your, your digestion starts in your brain, moves to your mouth, goes to your stomach, then the liver, gallbladder, pancreas, then the small intestine, then the large intestine. We're, we're going to support the entire digestive system. Okay. You know, I, w- I want to mention one thing as well, because, you know, obviously we don't know until you take the NutriQ and, and we hear more about your symptoms that you're experiencing, um, whether or not you have a, you know, a breakdown in digestion a little higher up, like, low stomach acid, like Kevin mentioned, but both stomach acid and bile are really critical for keeping pathogens out of our system when we eat food. So if there's a parasite or a bacteria for the body, like an E. coli or something of that nature, our body's defense is that stomach acid and that bile. So it's very possible that your digestive breakdown is what allowed those pathogens to enter your system and create this issue. Very good point. Okay. That's why it's important okay. to make sure that our digestive system is working you know, properly. And that's why we're going to take the holistic approach to this. We're, we're going to address everything going on in digestion and it, and it can take multiple steps sometimes. Um, we may look at your NutriQ and say, well, wait a minute, fat digestion isn't even the most important thing to address here. But we may start with some other digestive kit to, you know, maybe you do have really low stomach acid. We won't know till we see that. But just we're, what we're kind of doing okay. is just outlining our approach. We're, we're going to look at the big picture. And whereas the doctors you're working with, what they look at are symptoms. Oh, you have a symptom. Here's a drug that will okay. make that symptom feel better. Well, that doesn't make us healthier. In fact, it makes us less healthy because all their drugs are toxic. They're going to make all the problems worse and create new problems. So uh, our approach is root cause, look at the big picture, and then we can work through this, you know, one step at a time. The good news is uh, we've helped more people fix digestion than uh, almost anything else except maybe blood sugar. 
Yeah, it's true. Okay. Are there any other specific okay. questions we could help you with right now? Something that may be going on that we might be able to help with. No, I just needed a starting point. My husband reiterates to me what I'm supposed to be eating and what I'm not supposed to be eating. And unfortunately, with the digestive issues that I've had recently, what I've found is some of the things that he says I should not be eating, such as pasta, are the only things that don't cause me to get extremely ill. So we, we mm-hmm. have to, so, so one of the things we have to do, because I can, he's right, I can promise you this, as comforting as that pasta is right now, let me give you an analogy. Um, if I walk down the streets of Portland anytime anymore, I, I can encounter many, many opioid addicts, heroin, fentanyl, whatever. You, you can see them on the sidewalk. They are in absolute misery in withdrawal. Do you know how good a little bit of fentanyl or heroin will make that person feel right now? It's no yeah. different. It's no different. That's what the pasta is doing. It'll make you feel better right now, but mm-hmm. it is the cause of the problem. Wheat is the number one destroyer of our digestive system. So it, it may yeah. be it may be that we have you eat some cassava flour pasta instead. So there are some alternatives we can look at and, and they feel the same. I, I, you know, I know that kind of comfort food pasta thing and, and cassava flour pasta, it, it makes me feel just as good as regular pasta ever did. So we, we can look for some alternatives like that. And then we can also start looking for what are the proper foods that won't make you sick. And, and that's going to require some some experimentation, but I can also tell you this, you should be eating a lot of meat. It's the least destructive food to your digestive system. In fact, it does no damage or harm to your digestive system where almost every other food can. Plants, almost all of our plants have compounds that just aren't good for our digestive system. Doesn't mean we can't ever eat plants, but we have to minimize them. Nuts and, and legumes and, and some of those things that we even say are good foods and they should be part of our diet can be very hard on our digestive system. Just like we, we recommend eating fruit and honey when you're healthy, we don't recommend diabetics eat fruit and honey until we get them metabolically healthy. We recommend eating certain foods or, or we'll say they're okay, but maybe not until we get you digestively healthy. And then maybe you can go back to those foods. If you had to think of animal foods, fish, meat, eggs, you should probably stay away from almost all dairy with your digestive system the way it is right now. But are are there any animal foods that you think you would be able to handle? Oh, I I mean, I will. I mean, I just don't like seafood itself. Okay. But, you know pork and beef and turkey then, and chicken. and I'm, If you were to eat any one of those right now, would, would that upset your digestion or make you feel bad? No. Then eat all of Great. that you can find. Like really, <laughs> if that is your entire diet right now, that will be just fine. Eggs, if, if eggs don't bother you and you mm-hmm. like eggs, eggs in all forms, I would stay away from dairy. Um, dairy is one of those things that can really just mess with people's digestion and we have to get the right form of it. And it just complicates things for right now. So focus on a primarily carnivore diet, 
Um, and, and some, you know, and the fact that those foods aren't bothering you, Lauren, kind of leads me to believe she doesn't have stomach acid issues. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking as well. I was going to say if meat specifically is making your digestive system feel like there's something up with it, then that's typically a sign of low stomach acid, but that might not be the case. You might just have a, you know, you might just have, you know, uh, like a dysbiosis, like a bacterial dysbiosis. Right. So, um, it has, has any of this helped Lisa? Are we on the right track here? Yeah. So, so basically I need to get the, um, fat digestion. No, no, not yet. Or that's what you would recommend. Not yet. We're, we're kind of guessing that that's going to be it. The NutriQ. Yeah. We want to do the NutriQ first and then we'll get you back on and we'll, we'll know exactly where we want to start with digestion with you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I had my husband taking the notes for me. Okay, good. Good. Perfect. All right. Anything else we can help you with today? Kevin, uh, I just want to thank you real quick. Uh, We were listening the other day to a show from last Wednesday, I think, and um, my mom is 76, and she has developed a condition where she's not, uh, her body isn't taking in nutrients, and she's lost 20 pounds, I think, and you guys mentioned that um, almond, milk. almond milk might prohibit that. And that's something that she and her doctors hadn't thought of. And my mom has been making her own almond milk, thinking she's doing something great. Mm-hmm. And uh, we let her know about it. So that yeah, might help. Two, two big issues with the almond milk. There are, you know, phytates and other things that will absolutely block nutrients. And the worst offender we now know in almonds are the... Um, uh, oh, Lauren, what am yeah. I thinking? Uh, the oxalates. Yeah. The oxalates? Yeah, the oxalates. Yeah. Yeah. So it, she was mm. doing it. If you're going to drink almond milk, which I, I really just don't recommend, making it yourself is a better step. But for her, she should just eliminate it completely. <clears throat> I'll let you know if uh, that helps her out. Perfect. Probably will. Perfect. All right. Anything well, else? Thank today? you, guys. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. Of course. We'll, no, I uh, think that's okay. hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you back in the queue and then um, Angie will help you and uh, we'll get the NutriQ process started for you. Let's uh, let's go to Wisconsin. Matt, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Good afternoon. Um, hey, it's funny how some of these issues, you repeat callers because I, I almost got identical issue. Um uh, a couple weeks ago, actually February 10th, I, I, I'm from Wisconsin, and you know our weather up here is up and down. Uh, I fell on the ice at work um, and bruised, bruised a couple ribs. It was a trip to the ER. Um, still sore to this day, still pretty sore, sleeping. Um, fast forward a couple weeks, on Friday, um, I was having uh, pains on my side, kind of the, the same side I bruised ribs on. And, uh, I called the occupational doctor that I was seeing for the, it's a workman's comp claim because I fell on ice at work. Um, and he says, instead of coming to see me, you should just go to urgent care ER and get, and get it checked out. Cause they could do more extensive testing, CT scan and whatnot. And, um, they couldn't find anything, nothing on blood tests, x-rays, everything looks good. Um, the only thing he told me is when they did an ultrasound, they saw sludge and gallstones and he said, I should get my gallbladder removed immediately and I should of, see a surgeon. Uh, of course <laughs> um, he did. 
because they looked at, and I, I talked to you guys a couple months ago, a month or so ago, and my cholesterol's high, you know, and and I've been hey, actually hey, my hey uh, hey I know hey yep congratulations yep. on high cholesterol. Go ahead. <laughs> and you told me that before. Um, yeah, and my and my diet. And if you if you ask about my diet, I've had a pretty clean carnivore keto, a little bit more paleo um, uh, so for I don't know going on eight nine months now. Let's you focus know. on the stones because we we yep. we yep. you are still in a place where we can save your gallbladder. This is an emergency surgery, like sure. the last caller. We've got an opportunity here to save it. If you're already eating keto carnivore, that's excellent. Sure. But the problem now will be, and, and we've learned a lot about this doing our mini series with Sally Norton, you are experiencing an oxalate dump. Years and years and years of high oxalate foods and our body stores those oxalates everywhere. And then when we do finally get our diet right and minimize those oxalates, our body says, oh, we can finally get rid of all the excess. It's the, the overload has stopped and it starts trying to do whatever it can with that. And one of the things it's going to do is form stones, kidney stones and gallstones. Those are calcium oxalate. That, that's, that's what they are. So we've got to do the not no oxalate diet. We've got to shift you to a low oxalate diet, maybe 200 to 250 grams of oxalates. So you're going to have to look at the foods you eat and do some counting. We, we don't want to do that a lot. We certainly don't want to do it the rest of our lives. But there are times where it does make sense for us to say we're going to have to to measure and count a few things and and pay attention to this because we can't do zero if we do zero oxalate we can actually make the problem worse so so we've got to find that sweet spot where we are eating the right foods that have some oxalates and we're, we're doing it in the right amount and and then we also have to do a protocol to dissolve the the stones that are currently there and that can be done Sure. Could I, I mean, so I did a, I did a NutriQ, I don't know, it's almost been a year since I did a NutriQ with Lauren. Um, and since then I've had this conversation with you before, um, I mean, I, I'm actually down 80 pounds in the last year. My A1C went from 10 to 5.5. Um, so uh, all of that's good, you know, but it's, it's the one thing the doctor told me in the ER was, he says, you know, your cholesterol has been awfully high, you know, and I stopped taking, so, I stopped so taking my... Yeah, let's, medication. Let's, yeah. Do you have your numbers, or do you even remember remotely what they were? I, I, I don't. What was, um, what was, I, I know that my my total cholesterol was two twelve. Oh my god, that's, that's not high. It's yeah. just not. Yeah. And you know how I feel about <laughs> cholesterol. Even if I could prove your cholesterol yeah. was bad, the only way we're ever going to fix it is with sure. diet. Sure. Statins aren't going to do it. So, yeah. so what, doctor, we, what we say is you've already made an improvement to your cholesterol from where it used to be. We know that. And all we do to make it better is keep making our diet more and more clean. We stop eating the bad seed oils ever. And, and I got to tell people, as much as we hate to hear this, every single time you eat at a restaurant, any restaurant, 
from fast food to the most high-end restaurant on the planet, they all use industrial seed oils. If you want to avoid seed oils, you can't eat out. You just can't. Sure, sure. Seed oils are the single Um, culprit in your... You do have cholesterol issues. I'm not saying your cholesterol is perfect. It's not. And and we can make it much, much better, but the answer is not to eat low fat, not to eat low cholesterol, not to take statins. The answer is to eat good fats and get the seed oils out of your diet. Sure. And when I say seed oil... I, I, I actually just was so, just able to... Pull, pull. Just so people are clear, yeah. corn oil is a seed oil. Cotton seed oil. Um, canola oil. They wanted us to believe that they were vegetable oils because everybody thinks vegetables are healthy. They're not vegetable oils. They're pressed from the seed of those vegetables and they're toxic. They're toxic to begin with. And then the way we have to process the oil to get it. Think about this. Think about any seeds you've ever known. Can you like squeeze it and oil comes out? No. How do they get so much oil out of these things? There's a bunch of chemicals involved and high heat. And that's the stuff we have to stay away from. There, there are very few plant-based oils we should be eating. The, the two that come to mind right now are coconut and avocado. But other than that, we should be eating all animal-based sure. fats. Sure. And I guess probably where I, where I, the diet isn't so clean is if we do go out to eat, and I am eating, you know, let's say even if I just get a burger with, without the bun or anything, I'm still, I, I'm still aware that I'm getting those those bad oils, you know, but I, I really make a conscious choice at home. I mean, we do avocado oil, I have coconut oil, I do MCT oil in my, my keto coffee every morning. Um, so I actually was able to just pull up my numbers. I don't know if you wanted me to run them past you quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so my total cholesterol was 265. Um, my HDL was 45. My trick. My triglycerides were 160. Um, the LDL was 210, and the ratio was 6.95 that they came up with. And then non-HDL was 240. Okay, so we're, we're now. This was the granted. This was back in November. This was in November. Well, and and here's the other thing about cholesterol. Did you say your total was 265? 265, yeah. Okay, got that. If you were to, sometimes we could take cholesterol tests four hours apart and we could get radically different numbers. (laughs) Uh, Really, we know that. It's just part of how this works. So we don't put, you know, absolute faith in just these raw numbers. I am going to tell you before I even hit the calculator here, I think you do have some screwed up ratios. Let's take a look here. Sure. Yeah, so um, we do want to work on this, but it's this is never our primary focus. But but I am going to go through these numbers. It, there's two ways we can look at this. I'm going to look at the traditional measurements first, then I'm going to look at our more holistic measurements and ratios. But we're going to see that there is a problem here. Um, if we use traditional measurements, your total cholesterol is high risk. Your LDL is high risk. Your HDL is normal, but not ideal. And your triglycerides are 
Oh, wait a minute. I got the triglyceride number wrong. Hold on. Let me fix that. Um, I got to rerun this. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, okay, now I've got... No, that's the 210. I don't know. I got these in there backwards. That's the 160. Okay. It's, it's not going to be much better. Uh, yeah, all the things I just said are still basically the same. Now, if we look at the ratios... Um, why does my calculator keep totally screwing up here? Keeps changing the numbers as I'm putting them in. What is it doing? And then... I can tell you this, too, though, Kevin, that in the, um, in the past year, year and a half, these numbers have gotten better. Like, my HDL at one point was at, like, 25. Um, my triglycerides were 250. Um, so in the last okay. year, these have come down you know, or, or gotten better from what the doctor said. That, that's you know? really the lesson here is the longer we go, the more we clean up our diet, the more we get away from factory farmed animals and bad seed oils, the, the better our cholesterol will get. And we don't do anything else to address cholesterol. That's why we usually don't spend a whole lot of time talking about it. So uh, let's set that aside. The sure. gallbladder and, and that issue is far, far more important than the, um, than the cholesterol is. So if I were you, I would do an updated NutriQ, but um, you just got to decide, do you, do you want to go down the road of, of doing a protocol to try to save this gallbladder or not? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean... I, I totally do, you know, and, and my ultrasound. So I went back and I looked at the results from the ultrasound, what it said on there. And it said trace sludge and gallstones. Well, so that, what does that mean? What, you know, was that, it big fat gallstones or was it just little tiny minerals? You know, well, we, we could um, ask for a measurement. I mean, they measure these, we, we can know, sure. but, but I don't really care. Here's, here's all they care about. They reached their threshold to just be able to recommend taking out your gallbladder, which is their goal. Sure. Did, did yeah. you listen? And did he you just jumped to, to that real quick. Did you listen to the show this yeah. morning with Paul? No, I didn't catch it all. I just kind of went when you guys went to callers. That's about the time I checked in. So. Yeah, this, this is. Um, so I didn't of, hear the whole thing with him we kind of covered this in a big picture kind of way and and our government lies to us the pharmaceutical companies lie to us our doctors are lying to us whether they at realize they're lying to us or they're just so brainwashed into the system this is not about making you healthy it's not about doing what's best it's about taking out a gallbladder because that's how they make money i gotta tell you real quick so that's funny um one of the things, one of the comments he made to me before I left was, uh, yeah, you need to cut back on fatty foods. And um, he said, we, we pretty much call when you have high cholesterol like that, we call them cholesterol stones. That's what he told me. So you need to cut back on cholesterol. That's exactly what he told me. He, 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 <laughs> so I'm like, I can't wait till Wednesday if I can get him to talk to Kevin. <laughs> he's either lying, just outright lying. Or, or he's yeah. just so brainwashed into the system, he can no longer think for himself. I have been blaming all sure. of these doctor problems on the system for almost a decade now. And at some point, I have to start saying, 
The doctors have got to take some blame. Ten years ago, it was hard to find this information. Now, this information is out there. It's everywhere. Any doctor who hasn't been exposed to this should be, and, and they should act on it. And at some point, I'm going to start saying, no, this is the doctor's fault now. And they, and they need to take some responsibility here because I don't understand how a doctor today can be this ignorant about this. <laughs> I know it just made me sick. It's made me sick to my stomach. So, uh, yeah. I I, I but, got um, it. So to, okay, yeah, I, I will do a Nutri Q again for sure. Um, will Will Lauren be able to help me? So you you mentioned oxalates, and I can, you know I can pick out like I eat broccoli and I'll eat spinach occasionally, but spinach. You know, is hopefully, a, she can help me with um. Is an oxalate yeah. bomb. Is a big one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but you yep. you should take the NutriQ and you should keep a food journal, very detailed food journal. Okay. That way we can go over every everything you're putting and, in your body and we hey, you know we'll Lauren we'll be able me, to tell you what Let me jump sure. in there. People freak out with the food journal. Mm-hmm. I do too because I hate writing stuff down. <laughs> easiest way to do a food journal. Yeah, I did it a while ago. Yeah. There's a yep. really, really easy way. Everybody has their phone with them all day long. Before anything goes in your mouth, just take a picture of it. Yeah. Oh, sure. Real simple. Just take a picture of it. Lauren and I can look at pictures and know exactly what you're eating. I don't need to know that it was eight ounces of, you know, chunk light tuna. Or just take a picture of it. We know what it is. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I will do that. Yeah. And right. I, I've done a journal before. Last time I met with her, I did a journal for a couple couple weeks. So, okay. Um, all right. We'll, we'll do it. And then uh, talk to Lauren soon. There you go. Thanks <laughs> for the call. Sounds good. Let's go to Ohio. Rob, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good. What can we help you with today? Well, I just saw your message a little bit ago. I'm the one that uh, finally got my dad fixed up after 20 some years. Oh yeah. And well, everything was great. So I'll try and give you the timeline. Um, It would have been about February 12th was when I finally convinced them after uh, kind of a heated uh, argument to start eating right. So by the 21st of February, he was off almost everything. It was on the 24th that I posted on the tribe about how great he was doing, how much better he felt. And he's probably lost about, uh, about 10 pounds since the 12th. Okay. Um, so, so then Saturday, February 25th, him and mom go to some steak joint and he gets prime rib, broccoli, a sweet potato. After he bit in the sweet potato, he said he sure it had some kind of sweet butter Gets home that evening, his sugar's 2.30. Then Sunday morning, his sugar is, uh, uh, I believe it was 150. I know it was over 140. Okay. Um, now, now, all this week, it's been really wacky. It's been high almost all week. And he's eating the same stuff that he ate the very first week when he was able to make everything perfect. Um, the only other thing that got thrown into this equation, he'd been taking cardio miracle forever. And that was kind of a, seemed like a game changer a little over a year and a half ago for him, even though he was not eating right. It really, really, really helped with his energy and everything. Okay, good. So 
right before the 12th. He was dizzy, and we weren't sure what it was, if it was low blood pressure, because that had happened before. He was over-medicated, and I told him to stop taking the cardio miracle, stop taking everything until we got under control. Okay. Well, on, on uh, Monday, just this Monday, so four days ago, I said, maybe start taking the cardio again and see what happens. So that is the only other thing that's been thrown into the equation um, since he started eating right on the 12th. And now, like I said, this week, his blood sugar's been high all week. His blood pressure has crept up to, it was uh, 160 over 80 uh, this morning. And it had been 120 over 70-ish, something like that. Can if nothing has changed as far as from three weeks ago, could it be something with his body just rejecting things? Or no. I, we don't know. And he's no. really getting frustrated. No. There, there's there's nothing unusual about this pattern, and there's nothing mystical, and there's nothing changing on his body. He is just very, very insulin resistant. And all it took was one high carb meal to shoot him over the top and make a mess of his blood sugar. He's just very insulin resistant. This is going to take time. We can bring his blood sugar down quickly within days or, or a week. You, you've already seen it, but it can also shoot yeah. back up and get just as crazy when he goes back to those high carb foods. So there's nothing unusual okay. here. Very common pattern. He just needs to stay low, oh. low carb again. Uh, is it financially possible, either him or you, um, could we get him a continuous glucose monitor? Well, that, that is what's going to happen, which it, it should have happened when they first came out, but uh, that, that's going to happen um, in the next couple of weeks. And, and yet they are definitely financially capable. He just, he never did. And I pushed it a little bit, but you know, you can see uh, they didn't listen to me until just a few weeks ago. So um, and he's all for the continuous glucose monitor because he absolutely realizes now the, the correlation between what he puts into his body and what it does with his sugar. Well, and he's also going to find correlations like how his sleep is affecting his blood sugar. If he eats too late in the evening, how it affects his blood sugar. I don't know if he consumes any alcohol at all, but if he does, he's going to find out what a mess that makes of his blood sugar. He, he will figure out that stress can impact this. Um, food is number one, but there are an awful lot of other factors. The, the most important thing he could do right now is wear the monitor. Oh, okay. All right. I'll take and uh, get on him with that. Um, what I just, can, can you figure out if on Saturday when he ate like he should not have, um, sh shouldn't it have gone down if he started eating perfect again? No. Or could it still be out of whack it, from it, Saturday? It can still be out of whack stress alone. The high sugar contents okay. stressed his body. The stress starts producing sugar in your liver. All of these things are okay. connected. And again, there may okay. have been two or three other factors that happened on Saturday or have happened since then that we're not aware of. That's where the continuous right. glucose monitor comes in. We would have been able to okay, see Roger, when those spikes happen. Did he have a low blood sugar event? Uh, that's why okay. this is so important to get him on the monitor. Now, here's something else. Okay. I, I could say you could skip the monitor completely if he wants to eat a really, really strict low-carb diet. 
We don't need the monitor. The monitor isn't going to do anything other than give us information. The monitor's not fixing anything. And I can tell him how to fix it without monitoring it if he doesn't want to. Well, I believe he does want to monitor it. Okay. But that That's... goes kind of back to my point that um, from the, you know, going from the 12th to, let's say, the 24th, he was he, he called me 10 times a day. He was poking his fingers and he said to Rob, I just can't believe this. He said, it's just, my sugar's great. And like I said, then starting on the 25th, it just, everything goes haywire from just one event. So he's quite capable Wait, of, hold on, at least hold on. I think he, you, you keep okay. saying just one event and we don't know that. Okay. He, he could have had a bacterial infection. And it would raise his Okay, pleasure. okay. It, we don't know what the other events could have been. We know that he had an okay. event that would raise his blood sugar, and it happened, but there could have been two or three other factors. Oh, okay. Well, and I and I guess that was one thing that I actually did not realize. I, I, I was under the assumption that I need to start listening to you more, that only food would raise the sugar and some stress. I didn't know that other things, because there's, I mean, he's still not the healthiest, so he could have other things going on. And when we, all those other things are really stress. So when I say it could okay. be a bacterial infection, the mechanism for a bacterial infection to raise blood sugar is that it stresses the body and then the body produces the sugar in response to the stress. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to make sure he gets that continuous glucose monitor, and then I'm going to try and calm him down a little bit so he doesn't uh, isn't so upset with himself that right. it could right. be something else that's causing it. So, but yeah, and this was literally on meds for 20 plus years, uh, and uh, always listening to the stupid bullshit with them doctors. Yeah. So. Yep. We now know the system is completely broken. I'm not going to make any more excuses for doctors in the system. It's completely broken. It needs to be torn down and rebuilt from scratch. Our, our medical, other than trauma, I, I'm fine with our trauma system, right. but our, our health care is, is more broken than anybody realizes. And it gets worse every day. Right, right. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Uh, all right, Lauren, we uh, we blew through all the calls. Anything you want to close with today? Oh, hey, wait a minute. I know something we have to do today. Yeah. I got too busy. And <laughs> I, we had a lot going on. Um, we have a new vendor, uh, a new partner and oh, yeah. new products in the store. So when I was going through the um, sleep protocol with Danielle. Remember back with the adaptogens and, and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, I worked with her directly. I don't, she may have mentioned these products on the episodes. I'm not sure, but her and I talked about them in the background and I ordered them and I, I tested them and I, I was a little hesitant to bring both of these products in. I was hesitant to bring one in because we've tested a bunch of products like this and I really weren't, I just wasn't seeing the results I thought we should see. Um, and the other product, we already had several versions of this. So I thought, why would we bring in another one? But 
I kept an open mind. I tried both of these and I'm very, very impressed with both these products and the company. So there's a little bit of overlap here with a couple of our other products, but I did this for a very specific reason. So we are bringing one new vendor. The company is called NED, N-E-D, and two products from them right now. One product is a sleep blend of CBD botanicals. And I've tested a gazillion CBD products, even from Biotics, our our supplement supplier, and I wasn't impressed. I I didn't get results from any of the blends I tried. Um, I did a lot of research through NED, and I started to understand more about um, how these plants need to be raised and um, the different varieties and uh, their their process is is just top notch. Their quality is top notch. So this is an oil, like a tincture. So you use a little dropper and you put it under your tongue. This is the sleep blend. Um, totally organic, high CBN hemp. So this is a full spectrum hemp blend. And if somebody goes out and reads the, I've done the research behind this, there is a remote, tiny remote chance that somebody could show up positive on a THC. I I don't think there's any real chance at all. Uh, But I want to let people know, if you look at the research, when you use a full spectrum hemp product, there's a chance there's, there's something in there that could trigger a THC uh, on a drug test. I, I wouldn't hesitate to do this if I was a driver. It, it, it's not from cannabis, it's from hemp. Um, high CBN, not necessarily CBD, certainly not THC in this blend. Um, high CBN and high terpenes that correlate with sleep. Terpenes are like the the compounds in the plant, and they they typically are like the things that we get from essential oils or high in terpenes. Um, cannabis and hemp are both off the charts with terpenes, all different kinds, but there are specific terpenes that help with sleep. And this blend is by far the best I have found. The other product, um, believe it or not, is magnesium. Um, Lauren, if we were to go through our product list, we probably have several magnesium supplements, right? Oh yeah, we definitely do. Why would I bring in another? Several probiotics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're bringing in another one because it works and it's a very, there are so many forms of magnesium. It's just mind boggling and we're all deficient. I've come to the conclusion that we are all deficient in one form of magnesium or another. And many times we're deficient in all or several forms of magnesium. It really is our food supply. Um, No matter how clean your diet is, we still seem to be suffering from some deficiencies in these minerals. This is, they call it mellow magnesium. Um, It's a super blend. It has three forms of, I don't know if I ever pronounced it, chelated is that the way you pronounce that word? Chelated? Chelated? Yeah. yeah I think chelated, mm-hmm. I think maybe is how they pronounce it. Chelated, yeah. yep. Chelated magnesium, three forms, um, focused on sleep. So we're focusing on the forms of magnesium that do support sleep here. Uh, it has GABA, L-theanine, and then 70 trace minerals. This is by far 
the the blend of magnesium uh, that I've worked with that actually really does help improve sleep for a lot of people. So we're excited. Both of those products are in the store and um, Ned is just an amazing company. They're in Colorado, way beyond organic. Their quality control is just incredible. Uh, and they just put out some really, really high quality products. So we're going to start with these two. I, I, you know, they, they made a nighttime drink. They make a nighttime drink that I was so excited about. Ah, oh, it's got uh, all, it, it was the, the adaptogen mushrooms in there, just like we've been talking about with Four Sigmatic. And remember, it was Danielle from Four Sigmatic that recommended this company to me, knowing that they have products oh, that, are, that actually compete with them. But she said, look, these are just really good products and I think they're going to help you. Uh, so that, that I thought was wonderful. I, I love when vendors are willing to do that. They also then, the, and they, they made this drink into a, it's got raw cacao and, and the adaptogens and, uh, they made it into a chai. So they call it, um, shut eye chai, which I thought was a pretty cool name. They added their magnesium blend to it. So now I don't need to make sure I get the, and the magnesium, by the way, is a drink, kind of like Cardio Miracle. It, you can't get enough of some of these compounds by taking capsules. That's why we say, yeah, there's this other product out there, but you're, you're just not getting enough of it. And it's not the right quality. And so we have to get the quality right. We have to get the quantity right. And that means in some things, it's going to be a powder that we've got to put into a liquid to get enough of it. That's the case with this magnesium. They took the magnesium and they put it into the shut-eye chai. And I'm like, oh, that is absolutely perfect. I was so excited about getting this. I can't drink it. Yeah. I, I've tried. The magnesium, just, oh, no. the magnesium adds such a funky taste to this stuff that I, I've tried everything to hide it. I just can't choke this stuff down. Oh. I know. So we decided not to bring that in. If somebody wanted to go try it, you could go find Ned. I forget what their website is. It might be helloned.com, I think. If you wanted to try it, right it, now. it, it's called Shut Eye Chai. Um, it's an awesome blend. I love the stuff that was in it. I love how I felt after drinking it in the evening. But I, I tried it three nights in a row. I tried hot honey. I tried honey. I tried maple sugar. I tried anything I could think of. And I just can't choke this stuff down. Oh, it's helloned.com. Okay, good. So we will be carrying two of their products. If you want to try those, please buy them from us. That really helps support us. But if you want to try that Shut Eye Chai, we decided not to bring it in. I, I just thought the taste was just a little too funky. Um, but go try it. Yeah. And if somebody likes it, call me and I'll call you a freak because the stuff is pretty weird. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. So, uh, oh, go ahead. We were just talking about how broken our system is, uh, the health care system, not, you know, not the trauma system. Yeah. And I just, you know, I was reading and I came across it again. It's not the first time I've come across this, but According to the, World, to the World Health Organization, the U.S. spends more per person on health care than any other country. Yet, in overall quality, our care ranks at 37th. 
Yeah, it's easy to know why. And, and here's the thing. There are a lot of countries that are right behind us because they've mimicked our system. Um, the worst offenders, you know, Britain, Australia, New Zealand now, um, it, they're just mm-hmm. they followed our model and, and they're, they'll end up just as bad as we are. Honestly, um, it, it is better for your health these days to live in a third world country. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting, except for a lot of places in Africa, supposedly they're at the bottom 10, but, um, but it's interesting that this is a really good indicator of where we rank because what they're looking at is how well the public health system prevents illness instead of treating the illness, Yeah, which I think that should be what we look at. And I, I find it very disappointing that the U S ranks at 37th. It's not surprising to me. But it's just so disappointing. I know. I, I know. I, I, I keep thinking that at some point we may see improvements in our system. And I, I, I think we're past the point of no return on the medical system. I, I think this is where we just have to kind of ignore that medical system. I don't think we're ever going to change it. Big Pharma is way too powerful. And now they've they've totally corrupted the government part that the, the organizations that are supposed to be policing these organizations are run by the same CEOs. The, the CEOs go back and forth. They, they work for these companies, then they go work for the government. And it, it, the whole system is so corrupted, I don't think we can fix it. And all we can do now is just is move to the functional medicine world and, and ignore them. I don't think we can fix them. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm going to get a little political here because I I think the FDA should be dissolved. I I think it should just go away completely. If we want to brainstorm about maybe some sort of government agency to to replace it, I I guess I'd be open to it. Although I think we could do without it, move it to the state level, if anything. Um, I've said that about our Department of Energy. I've said that about the Department of Education. Um, all of those alphabet soup organizations that now control our life, but we don't get to vote for the people that run them. That has to end. We, we are being controlled by bureaucrats in these agencies that nobody ever got a chance to vote for and nobody ever will be able to vote for. Um, somebody like Dr. Fauci. Uh, look at how much control that freak had over our lives. It should have never happened. I know, it's so true. So I bring that up because have you heard the name yet? Um, Vivek Ramaswamy? Uh, that's a confusing one. Uh, is that the person replacing Fauci? No. Supposedly? No. Go go look this guy up. Oh. You're going to hear me talking a lot about him because he actually, I, I, I'm not saying that he's got a shot at this. I'm not, I don't even know if it's really a good idea that he did this or not yet, but I, I, I really like this guy a lot and I want people to be aware of who he is. But he is. he did announce he's running for president as a Republican. Oh, wow. Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, what a cool name. Um, the guy's brilliant, he really is. He's one of the few people that is openly saying everywhere right now, the Department of Education has to go. Um, he he really means drain the swamp and, and fix the system. And I know one person can't do that, 
but we need more people that are willing to stand up and say that no matter how unpopular that is. I don't know if the guy's got a snowball's chance in hell. He's got a lot of money. He's really successful on his own. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I just love his viewpoints. And not that this should matter. I hate that this matters. But it, it can't hurt that he's um, he's young and brown and his name's Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, that tends to matter a lot more these days. It than shouldn't. It, it shouldn't mean a thing. But um, I guess we may have to play that game, too. I, I, for me, I, I don't care about any of those things. What I care about is, is, is this person going to be effective or not? And, and I, he... Mm-hmm. He has impressed me far more. He's got a, a really good book. That was how I first found him, uh, called Woke Inc. Mm. And he talks about how, how corrupted our corporations have become with all of this woke ideology. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, check him out. It's, and I'm bringing it up right now because he's all over the place. He's putting out multiple videos every day. Um, really outlining his his ideas and his plans. They're not just talking points. Okay, I'll have to check them out for sure. Yeah, all right. Anything else you got today before we wrap this up? Just a reminder that today at 3 p.m., we will be doing a After Hours live Q&A. And instead of on Facebook, it will be posted to Facebook. But instead of it being live on Facebook, it will be live on Destination Health or Healthy Tribe. Sorry. And that will be at three o'clock today. And I hope you guys can join. And we're going to be talking about adaptogens specifically. So it'll be a good one. Oh, yeah, that's a good topic. All right. Excellent. We will uh, we will see you then. Uh, the rest of the week, I have a live show tomorrow. We have a, uh, a guest joining us for an announcement about one of our products. I- I'll kind of give you a hint. It's not like it's any big surprise. Uh, and actually, it's not because of what just recently occurred, but it ties right in. Did, did, did that sound a little confusing? Was I being a little cryptic there? <laughs> It's definitely a little cryptic, I have to say. All right, so I, I, I'll kind of give a preview of what we'll be talking about tomorrow. Again, it, it was already in the works. That's why it, it's already actually happened. But have you noticed this phenomenon of daily reports coming out about something in our world, our life, our everyday stuff that is now causing heart issues and blood, blood clotting? Have you noticed this trend? Uh, well, I, I hear them blaming so many random things lately. That's what I mean. That That's it. They, every day. They're yeah. Bla- oh, so yeah. I know. I, that. I, I've collected these now. I'm up. Now I'm now up over 30, 30 articles on 30 oh different things that never used to be talked about with heart disease and blood clotting. And now they are gardening. <laughs> Gardening, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Gardening <laughs> now causes blood clotting and, and heart disease. Um, did you see the, the big one that came out this week? I don't think. I think I missed that one. Erythritol. Oh, I did see that one. Yeah. Yeah. And here's, 
Oh, I'm a little shocked by the reaction of the natural health world. I can't tell you how many newsletters I got, how many text messages I got, how many emails, how many social posts I saw from natural health people. Their immediate reaction was, oh, my God, we better quit erythritol. What have you? Oh, been, did you not stop and think for just a second? They told us not to eat fat. You don't listen to that. They told us not to eat cholesterol. You don't listen to that. They told us not to eat salt. You ignore all the reports they've ever put out about all of those things. They told us, you know, sugar wasn't toxic. Now we know it is. You don't believe them. And yet somehow your first reaction to this is everybody better stop with the erythritol. What? Yeah. Give me a break. And then yeah, look, you're at, right. then look at the timing. That. It causes heart issues. Yes. Everything causes heart issues, according to them. That's nothing but a smokescreen for the damn jab. The jab causes heart yep. issues. We know it. Ignore all this other crap they're claiming causes heart issues. I was a little disappointed with a lot well, of now, natural practitioners. I know, I know. There, and now I, I saw something on Epoch Times that said it was an article about how there's a surge and nobody knows why of colorectal colorectal cancer in young adults. I'm like, I'm sorry, but the surgeon cancer, that's all relatively new since the jab. Exactly. And, and it's different. And this has been documented many, many times. We either see people that never had a cancer diagnosis. And as soon as they find it, it's stage three and they're dead two months later, there seems to be a rash of exactly. that going on or People who have yeah. had cancer in the past put it into remission and now it's exploded on them. That seems to be pretty common, too. Out of nowhere. Yeah, you're right. So I thought that was an interesting one that I just came across today. Yeah. So, oh. so let's talk about erythritol for a second. Let's talk about sweeteners because they are corrupting this conversation, too. They are referring to all of these things as artificial sweeteners. That's incorrect. We should break down sweeteners into a couple different groups. We have natural sweeteners, and there's all kinds of them, and those have calories. So sugar, I mean, we could go on and on and on. Honey, maple sugar, coconut sugar, yeah. you know, those are all natural sweeteners that have calories. We have artificial sweeteners, which almost always are non-caloric or, or zero calorie. They're artificial. They're made in a, you know, chemical lab someplace. We also have zero calorie sweeteners that are natural. They're not man-made. They're not chemical compounds. They're, they're natural, but they're zero calorie. The media has started to refer to all zero calorie sweeteners as artificial, and it's just wrong. Stevia is completely natural. I have a stevia plant in my garden, and you can go chew the leaf. You'd be shocked at how sweet it is. It's incredible. It's zero calorie. Xylitol, mannitol, zorbitol, erythritol, all natural. They are sugar alcohols. They have a sweet taste, but our body can't digest them. So technically, they become yeah. a zero-calorie sweetener. But they're not artificial. Those you have do not sit well in my stomach. Yeah, yeah, and we can talk about Those that. Those do not right. 
And it's yeah. because your body can't digest them. So so they can exactly. cause some digestive issues. We're, so we try to educate people. The first thing we want to educate people on, the big, big picture around sweeteners is you should start to wean yourself off of all sweeteners, all of them, especially when you're um, metabolically sick. You hear me talk about honey and maple syrup and maple sugar. I, I use those things on a pretty regular basis and I'm able to. I'm metabolically healthy. I know what level I can consume those without causing problems and I like them. And I'm to the point where I don't like things very sweet anymore, but occasionally I do like a little bit of sweetness in things. So I, you, if you find that balance and you become metabolically healthy, you should use the natural caloric sweeteners. I Once you're metabolically healthy, I would stay away from, as, as much as possible, the, the non-caloric natural sweeteners and, and the sugar alcohols. If you're going to want some sweet once you're metabolically healthy, let's use honey, you know, good local raw honey, good high quality maple syrup, coconut sugar, things like that. And, and just do it in small amounts and it's not, you know, constant. Um, if you are not metabolically healthy and you're trying to wean yourself off of these things, which is the ultimate goal, you would use the natural non-caloric sweeteners, stevia, monk fruit, even things like erythritol and xylitol, if you can handle them and, and you're okay with the digestion. Nobody should ever use the artificial sweeteners. They are totally toxic. Yep, agreed. The, the, do you think that kind of cleared it up? I wasn't really planning on doing that, so I, that was just off the top of my head. But um, <laughs> since, they're, since they're going to attack erythritol with this and they're starting to call them all, you know, artificial when they're being incorrect about that, I thought we should probably straighten that up. Yeah, that was good. Oh, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I just got a message. I'm glad I checked this. The shut-eye chai is in stock in our store. Somebody must have decided to bring it in anyway. Or maybe I, I may have said when I first saw it, I may have even said, bring this stuff in. It looks fantastic. And then when I got the samples, because it's a new product, uh, I just couldn't handle it. But it's in the store. I guess it uh, it is on the expensive side. I never look at price. Uh, it's expensive for a reason. There's a lot of really, really good stuff in there. So if you want to try it, try it. Um, I, I just couldn't deal with the taste. Uh, if it's popular enough, we'll, we'll continue to bring it back in stock. So if you try it and you like it, um, we will keep it in stock. So glad I caught that before we wrapped this up for today. Uh, I think that should cover it, right? We've been all over the board today. Yeah, we really have. <laughs> all right. Uh, we will see you back here tomorrow then, um, and you'll be with Lauren here in just a little bit. Don't forget. Um, see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.